and welcome to the Weekly Scroll Podcast. My name is Ryan. And I am an escaped man with a face that other people have as well. Very nice. Very nice. Living that clone life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, today, we are going to be reviewing... Uh, it's not a print. Um, High Magic Low Live <laughs> from Gym Room Games. I shouldn't have laughed at that. That was so stupid. I can't believe I laughed at that, but... Uh, I'm so used to you being like, and, he, and we're reviewing this and having the physical because you're such a well, physical because, guy. I mean, um, I always so that was actually, the other... that was a good bit. So you want me to, you want me to, uh, I got some other gym room games here. I could pull out some Weaver's Observatory. Um, what else we got? Oh, here we go. Now, here's a gym room game game. Boom. There you go. At least you get one. Um, this I is like a love very this stuff here. So today we're talking about. High Magic Low Lives yeah. by Jim Did Rick. I say that yet? I don't know. Did you? I, I, I did. I did I, when I held up the fake book and you were just oh, so tickled. I'm still waking up. Um, yeah. So this is like pretty early Jim Room game stuff. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yep. We're getting back to we're getting back to that. So let me pull this up. Right. So as far as I can tell, it was uh, this is Jim Room Games. Um, this is uh, Dan Phillips and fuck me because i know carrie's last name uh and i totally blanked on it so dan and carrie uh gym room games um if you uh listen to us last year you know that we did gym room games it was nine lives to valhalla which is one of our yeah K- kelly larry thank you so much um great people super nice great games this is one of them. This, I was actually talking to Dan about this previously. Um, they put this out where they were still hobbyists. Um, I believe it dropped in June or July of 2019, originally July of 2019. Um, and uh, this is one of the first things that they put out, like I said, while they were still hobbyists, before they were really doing like a lot of games. So this is a, uh, a first edition um, that has a second edition in the long-term plans, um, cool. which uh, will be really cool. Um, yeah. I yeah, agree. Because I'm, I, I'm, I like this game. Um, you, you, you're the one that sent it to me originally. Yeah, this is this is yeah. a this is a hunter episode, y'all. Um, but having said that, like, I'm excited to see what this their their second edition looks like because I think there's a lot of really good here that could use some cleaning up. But I still really like this. Yes. So wh- I had this like tagline in my head of like my opinions of the game, um, and. Uh, I think that it is. This is a good game. This is. A, yes. I would play the shit out of this game. It is a good game. I think there is a fantastic game in here. Um, that a second edition uh, could be. Um, but this is such a you game, bro. I uh, know it's a very much a. I mean, I started reading it and I was like, oh yeah, this is this, is, this is like this is the uest. This might be the, one of the uest games you've ever we've listen, ever talked it's about. Magic. It's incredibly modern. Um, mm. You know, it's low it's lives. Low lives. You know? You're a dropout scumbag yeah. who's trying to rob from the rich. I mean, it really couldn't be a more you uh, game. Oh, yeah, dude. yeah, I think I can't remember how because I bought this on itch. I think I just saw it and I was like, this looks cool. Like magic school dropout looks cool. And going through them, like, oh, this is like, this is so me. Because I've been trying to get us to review this uh, for a couple months. We've just been busy. Um, I think you you sent it to me in like December, and then I realized I actually had it already because um, I backed the uh, TTRPG for trans rights in Texas bundle. Oh, um, that's and this how was I in got there. it. That's how I yeah. got it. 
Um, I love when I'm like, oh man, I really want that game. And I go to the itch page and I bought it in a bundle like two years ago. Love that shit. Yeah, um, I um, I mean, I've bought so many of those bundles, I have no idea what I own at this point, but I'm yeah. always good surprised. I, but I, I generally like to parse parse them, you know, everybody in the bundle is doing good work, uh, but there's maybe like <laughs> 10 or 12 in a bundle that I'm really, I'm really in there for. Um, so why this is a Hunter episode, um, a lot of times we pick the games together, but this is you literally going, we're doing this fucking game and me going, all right, I'll read it. Okay, let's do the fucking game. Why? 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 Yeah, why'd you want to do this yeah. one so bad? Yeah. Oh. I mean, the fact I that think, it's such a you game. That... I think that this is like a really good, like, PBTA adjacent um, that pulls in some other influences um, that I really enjoy. Um, I love the magic system. Uh, I mm. like the idea of the magic dice, how mana works, your magic domain. I think it's really very simplified. And I really like this setting of like, yeah, you live in like a modern world where the immortal aristocracy has just, they're immortal and they've just been in power for so long that they have treasure hidden everywhere because they're immortal and they just accrue wealth. And, you know, at a certain point, you and your buddies are like, wait, why are we working for these people? We should to hurt other people. Uh, why should what well, we should just take from them? And I believe the impetus for the creation of this game, and I might be incorrect, but I vaguely remember reading this is that, you know, Gym Room Games, uh, home game, you know, they're playing Dungeons Dragons where you get paid by rich people to go attack goblins and shit. And they were like, well, that's really making much sense, like make a lot of sense. Why don't we just rob the rich people? And so this is that, this is that. Uh, I also really mm -hmm. like this setting. For me personally, the internal setting in my head is very much like, um, Paradigm City Big O, um, where it's like dome Bro. cities and like you have Bro. the ultra ultra rich that just live like separately. You know, they live in their own worlds. Um, I, that's like, exactly how I would run this. And if you when we get to tone, it's funny because they do mention domed cities. Uh, I'm like, yeah, exactly how I would run this. Um, yeah. And I, I just really, I mean, the character classes too. It's not character class. It's your general deal. Your general yeah. deal. Um, we'll talk about the we'll talk. the language used and because it does it really well. The pit, the itch pitch, and then we'll hop into the game. Is Hamindek Low Lives is a post dungeon fantasy tabletop RPG. Love that phrase right there. Um, about weird wizard school dropouts who get into trouble with the immortal aristocracy to make coin and build their hashtag brand. I mean, it's great. It's great. Um, let's hop into. The review so again this was gosh fuck me almost five years ago 2019 aka yesterday aka five years ago um I mean, it's only 2020 right now so it's insane dude it's insane dude on top of just getting older the pandemic just deleted a quarter of my life is what it feels like so again this was uh why they were um like i said when they were still hobbyists um so it's public domain art with pretty much just some bright colors and an extraordinarily simple layout just in PDF. Um, so we're really getting into just the meat of the, the game because that's what we have. When we get to the art and, and layout score, it's going to be pretty, pretty low just because, um, because it is. Um, powered by the Apocalypse, made with the Black Hack, High Magic Low Lives, uh, Dan Phipps. Kayla Lowry, uh, powered by the apocalypse, made using the black hack and forged in the dark. And we'll get to some of that stuff here in just a minute. Um, 
Attribution, I like this. There's a lot of like shout outs and ins inspirations and things. I like Adventure Time with Finn and Jake. Um, yeah. Lots of stuff. Book of the New Persona Sun. Persona 5, I think it's a great one. You know, it's very... Yeah. Uh, you ever played Persona? No. No. I know there's like a anime I mean to watch. Um, I do uh, I do see this here. Layout and Dice Convention inspired by Chorica. Definitely got that Chorica inspired layout. Good job. One of the best. Yeah. Um... And then they list. I, I love uh, numbers, uh, numbered uh, headings on chapters. I'm like, yeah, just go to one, one point two one. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know, I thought about that, and we'll 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 show everyone that we're talking about in a minute. It's it really comes down to usability versus vibes, and that's what would break me trying to do a game where I'm like, fuck, like if I really want a game that's like really readable, I'm doing it exactly like this. If yeah. I want a game that's like all vibes, like hitting like the Merkborg, I want you to feel the game the whole way through. It'd be hard to do it like this and feel that. Troika hit a good balance, but there's specific reasons why, and we'll get to that too. But um, I love that there's the artwork sources. The, the interesting thing about this um, that I feel going all the way through, especially knowing the rest of Gym Room game stuff, is that... Um, Again, this is like one of the first things they did when they were, I, I know I've said hobbies like 18 times. It's a good word though. Um, but they did such a good job on such like a first thing as far as the choosing the trigger style layout, having the artwork sources listed here. Like there's so like, you can clearly tell, like if I saw this in 2019, I would have been like, these people are gonna make good shit. Like give yeah. them like- I, I would say even the way they refer to things uh, through the text, oh, yeah. like the terms and stuff they use, I'm just like, okay, you get, they, you clearly know what you're doing. Like- Oh, fuck yeah. You know, I mean, this is a first outing, and like, their first outings is for a game, especially. I mean, this is there's a lot going on here. Um, they shouldn't really be this good. <laughs> Not that they yeah. shouldn't, but they very often aren't. Um, True. Yeah. I will uh, say though that there are a lot of things in here that kind of show that it is a first outing, and we'll get to that. There's yeah. some like some technical jargon that's that's um, kind of mix matched. There's some references that are. A little bit off and there's a little bit of anachronism um that could definitely be cleaned up like i said this is a great game this is a really good game that could be a fantastic game and i'm excited to see a second edition so we get to there's 12 chapters um and when we get to the table of contents here for those um on podcast line like we said art is is full page public domain chapter headers and that's about it so we're not really going to get into that it's a black and white it's a black text on white layout um and uh, the Troika style, like literally introduction one, setting 1.1. What is a low life? 1.1.1. Role playing games, 1.2. So you, you you get it, you get it. And what's great is this whole section type linked. And that's yeah. great. And mm -hmm. it has bookmarks, uh, at least to the main chapter headers, which is great. Um, couple of things uh, a lot of references in the book we'll talk about none of those are hyperlinked where it says check 2.1.2 2. mm -hmm. that's not hyperlinked that'd be really nice because they do that a lot which i would definitely cut out later um and i do like that they break the tables down into parts um if i was gonna do this though one thing in my head is i would have them in the thing like this and then at the end i would have another section that was literally just all the tables by itself secondly that would be super helpful um because there were times where i was like i just want to go to chapter three and i i know it's it's so easy you can just go to three but it'd be nice like uh, death in space has that where they have all every table in the book as a separate table of contents mm. um so you can click through that too and it's really really nice to see but 12 chapters um we're gonna we're gonna go through them and a lot of it this is one that we can we can go through a lot there's introduction there's the rules 
there's a setup there's character creation there is um combat uh health wounds and death magic your phone and your hashtag brand inventory experience and advancement npcs and the immortal aristocracy so chapter one introduction pink piece of public domain art with some like dirigible in the sky um so uh i'm gonna read a bunch of this um introduction um i've already talked about the high magic low lives with school dropouts hashtag brand but the setting is interesting um i really i'm gonna read it the immortal aristocracy is an ocean from it all wealth comes to it all wealth returns um quick break if you haven't listened to the first episode of the relaunch of the brain trust podcast from adam bass and will yopst one of the first things one of the things they talk about in that episode they call it i believe it's like the firebrand i think they called it where basically it's like your first sentence or the very initial first reaction you get from a game and like the writing and they talk about like their first kind of little bit in in like torque and a little bit in like cyber metal 2012 that those two lines right there for me insanely good two line opening to a game i was hooked the second i got through that um but uh yeah the immortal aristocracy is an ocean from it all wealth comes to it all wealth returns they watch from their tower walls as generations of common folk toil uh, live toil and die their houses rise and fall their wars bloom and rot they are not without kindness but this kindness stops long before the gifts of self-determination and dignity begin the land is peppered with magical colleges bearing the names of great houses where a commoner can seek to better themselves and have the honor of bearing an unpayable debt to a noble family. Opportunities abound for those with magical training under the immortal aristocracy. The immortal aristocracy is an ocean, and the honorable thing to do is to guide the rain back to the shore. Coin, health insurance, a title, and perhaps even the chance to marry into a minor house all await those who serve. You and your buddies have a better idea, though. All this coin that the aristocracy is amassing by sending dopes to bully folks who are just minding their own business. Well, they got to put it all somewhere, right? So maybe instead of messing with folks just going about their business to bully them out of the last two coin they have to rub together, your time would be better spent wading into vaults with more coin than you can carry out. Last you checked, the honor of serving a great house done put food on your table, put weed in your pipe, get you laid, or help you sleep at night. Ideally... The work would be good, profitable, and legal. But hey, two out of three? Let's go rob a duke or whatever. So good. Yeah. Really, I mean, I think you're immediately like, okay, I'm I'm in. I'm into this, you know? Yeah. Uh, really well Instantly written. In. Also. Yeah. Um, Ex- oh, so good. <laughs> I, will, I will say a couple of things about this that I found early on was to me there seems like a little bit of anachronism like to me this feels like maybe like almost that blade to the dark level of technology Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um maybe guns and stuff but like still like magic and fantasy and stuff but then so but and then there's a later point where suddenly it starts talking about like your phone Right. And I felt like the mention of like that level of technology and phone and live streaming and stuff like that could have been up higher in like the setting area here. You know, like there might be like some little mentions, but when it suddenly is a whole chapter on it, my brain kind of went, wait a second, I have to retool my entire understanding of the setting. I wonder so if that's partially also like the art used. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, public domain art and what they, you know, 
but it doesn't really give you that whole like um because i'm okay with like a little uh, anachronism actually i think i mm-hmm. think that's a, like it can be a strength um i do yeah. i do understand what you're saying it's like when you get to the phone you're like oh yeah they're phones um yeah because yeah. even in the preview it talked about like live streaming and stuff but like so but like as you read it even to get to the next part like 1.1.1 what is a little life so if you know how to sail a wire, you a pirate instead of a sailor? Why are you a safe cracker instead of a locksmith? Why are you a private investigator instead of a cop? Why are you a forger instead of a notary? I don't know. Like throughout, it really feels like the level of technology is much more into like a fantasy world. So the phone mm-hmm. thing, like I'm totally fine with the phones being there. I think it's great. I just yeah. think an earlier mention of it to kind of set that level of technology in your mind um, so it doesn't feel so anachronistic later would yeah. be nice. Um. So you are an adventurer licensed by the immortal aristocracy to do their bidding. Um, you could be an adventurer, but uh, you're not. You're a low life instead. And what does a low life do? They mess with the immortal aristocracy, especially if it helps the locals. You're 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 fucking wizard school dropout Robin Hood with a fucking yeah, phone. Yeah, very Robin Hood. Yeah. Um, you make lots of coin through robbery and hijinks, and then blow it pretty much immediately. Um, and you brag about it to look cool um, and take the blame. Um, so this is the, uh, this, is this the introduction chapter? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, role-playing game. I actually really like this chapter because I know we, we talk shit about like, what is a role-playing game a lot? I feel like uh-huh. this one does it really well. Um, High Magic Low Lives is a role-playing game in the tradition of Midwestern American folk art of the 1970s. Fuck. I love that phrasing too. Um, players take on one of the two roles, a low life or the GM. Low lives are the protagonist of our story and the primary means by which the action is driven. Their player's role is to listen to the GM and each other make choices about how to proceed. They describe their low life's actions and in situations where success is not assured, roll dice. The GM describes the environments and supporting cast of the story as well as the villains that get in the low life's way. A good GM drives the story forward. It listens closer to the player's actions and asks leading questions. What does GM stand for? Roll to find out. D66 table. I love the roll to find oh out for GM. You know, we're going to do it right now. Do it. Also, though, the tone through this entire thing, some people try to write themselves into the technical language a little bit and don't mm-hmm. do it very well. Oh, my God, is it done so well throughout here. It's a lot of technical language, and suddenly it'll just be like, comma, like, whatever, or like something like this, <laughs> where there's so much tongue-in-cheek in a funny like modern way like that almost helps the like the phone bit even better because like a lot of the lingo and vernacular used throughout sounds like someone who definitely has a phone you know what i mean i agree i I rolled uh i'm the uh grand maniac dope works yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean i really love the uh i don't know the, the goblin manager um but it's great. So D6 tables. It's also really cool. You roll a D6 right off the bat. It's a lot of D6s. This feels like a fun intro to the dice mechanic, which is nice. Uh, 1.2, conversation. The medium of play is words, typically spoken. Again, I love that. It's just yeah. interesting. It's as Fiction. much as you need. Yeah. Fiction first. The rules are important, but they flow from the, flic- from the fiction. Make sure you've established the context of the situation and describe the character's approach before rolling. Uh, rulings over rules, you know what that means. Texas framework, make good choices. Player intelligence, a clever player plan trumps a number on your character sheet. Um, embrace randomness, randomness, you are not always in control. Resource management, I love the resource management. Basically, it says you don't need to worry about basic food and water. You are an adult fucking human being. You have that on you. 
like seriously um but higher level stuff valuable shit you'll keep track of that um fail forward uh nothing happened is a dreadful outcome love that um time is interesting too um, when time is discussed, I'm referring to the text. It basically says that when shit doesn't matter, don't worry about it. And when shit matters, worry about it. For example, the example they use is armor. Like if there's no danger and for you to like put your armor on in the morning, you don't need to say, I took, I put my armor back and take four minutes to do it because it doesn't matter who gives a shit. You have the four minutes. But if suddenly you're ambushed and four minutes matters in game time, then it matters. And I love that because too many people, especially in some of the more trad games, think that every rule has to be followed at all times when it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Especially like putting the armor back on and stuff like that, even though I, I will get to the armor thing. But the other thing too about this interest section, um, I really enjoy it. I like it. I, I, I wouldn't mind if it was in more of like a, a principles kind of like, like player principles, game principles kind of thing. Um, than just an introduction because you go from like setting to player principles to like being in a in a in a in a mix. I wouldn't mind if it was laid out a little differently, but I love all of these. I think as principles for this game, it's really fantastic and well written, like super tight, not a bunch of unnecessary bullshit. Then we get to the rules, which is full of unnecessary bullshit. Um, <laughs> so yeah. much unnecessary bullshit. It's like every person who ever writes a PBTA game just loses the ability to explain how dice work um, concisely. Um, so, uh, well, having read, having read PBTA, I'm like, that's, <laughs> it makes sense. Um, world of dungeons. There you go. Um, hmm. dice 2.1 dice are used to address situations with the game when the outcome is unclear. Yes. If these situations we give you, we give control of the narrative to fate and interpret the results. I love it. It's great. Dice conventions. Dice are used in the game. All of them. D4 through D12. Um, maybe some D20s and stuff sometimes too. It says you should have them. I don't remember ever needing one in the entire reading of the game. Um, I think you get one for rolling inventory. Ah, there you go. There you go. But not in the rules mechanics. Um, sometimes you roll multiples. You know how this works. If it's 2D6, you roll 2D6 and add them together. If it's D66, you roll two sixes, but it's two separate rolls. D666, all that stuff. You know how that works. Same thing. You know how to roll hundreds. You know how to run 12. You know how dice work. You know how dice work. I d genuinely don't need an entire page to tell me how to roll dice. Um, risk dice. Uh, this is a little different. It's just usage die. Yeah. I, I personally really dislike the phrase risk dice. It makes no sense to me. Um, it feels like an unnecessary change in verbiage um, when you only use it when you use something. Um I would prefer if it just got back to usage die. Because I guess maybe like you're risking the thing you're using when you use it, usage die makes more sense. It's it's more to the common vocabulary used throughout the the thing, um, and I think even to explain it to players better, it's a usage die. So you roll it when you use stuff would be a lot easier. I I I, um, I love the use of usage die in here. I think it's extremely clever the entire way through. I just wish that wrist dice was just called usage dice or use dice or something like that. Um, I do like, uh, this is a small thing, but I do like throughout this thing, they have the like uppercase Delta symbol oh, the as, Delta? Their, as their die symbol. I'm like, actually yeah. that works. <laughs> that works really well. Yeah. But just for the risk dice, like for the quote unquote risk dice, the usage dice. Yeah. So anything non-usage dice doesn't have a Delta. Oh, right. And I really, you're right. I really do enjoy that they have like the the delta instead to specifically lay that out super clever yeah really I, like i'm gonna be honest i while i prefer usage dice as a term whenever i see ud whatever written now i'm like 
there's got to be a better no. way. Um, yeah. yeah. The Delta is way. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. The Delta is a way better way. Um, yeah. Uh, when employing an element of the game. So so for those that don't know what usage die is, basically, like, you, you have a die. Let's say you have, let's say, arrows. And let's say you have Delta 6 arrows, right? Like, after combat or whatever, and you fired arrows, if you need to roll your risk die... I'm gonna say risk die because that's what's in the in the thing here, the whole time. Uh, if you roll a one or a two, that die decreases to a d4. Um, and again, if you roll a one or two, you are now out of arrows. So you use this die. Basically, you have the die when you need to roll it. If you roll bad, it you have less of that thing. Um, but that is that is used. That mechanic is used across so much of the game. Again, in such a clever, concise, like consistent way. It's 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 done so well. Um, uh, yeah, so that's how usage I works. I also, I, do, I don't need a whole page on how usage I works either. I do like that there's an example of play because I will never not like examples of play and it's well-written. I'm not going to read it though. Mm -hmm. Um, there may be ways to restore dice through effort. Hirelings can be fed, given a chance to rest. Batters can be recharged, etc., etc. Another example of play. Um, that's fine. Um, the bad news is the GM rolled a, uh, I don't need that. More examples of play stuff. When you roll one or two on a Delta four, the die is removed. That means it's gone. We talked about this. I don't need a third level. Of, I do like examples of play. I don't know if I need all three of these. Um, when you roll a wrist die with advantage, roll two and take the high result. When you roll a wrist die with, with disadvantage, roll two and take the lower result. That's how that's how um, it works. So interpreting risk dice. This is um, this is parts we need. So risk dice tell you a lot of things. They tell you how long you can expect a thing to last before your supply runs out. That's how usage die works. They tell you how well built a thing is and how much it can be used before it breaks. And they tell you the value of a thing, possibly how effective a piece of armor is, everything. Again, it's it's so much and, again, so well done. So there is a table two, interpreting risk dice size. Basically, it tells you D4 through D, uh, D12, how good something is, how much it's worth, like how much you have, everything. Every aspect of a thing that you have is on this table so clever so smart so clean great table really love it yeah they, i mean my only critique on this table is the uh, 10 and 12 that like break yeah, into dude, like yeah oh, fucking God. crazy i'm like oh, break, I it just... hurts my soul <laughs> it's so funny i mean it is an extraordinarily good table though i will yes. say and uh, it's mm -hmm. interesting to look at and be like oh if you want something that's like uh usage uh 10 or 12 that's like aristocracy only or the court yeah. of the aristocracy only um uh yeah i think it gives good context for a thing that's used for pretty much every item um yeah well and the thing too is like even when you look at the rarity of it you can extrapolate that to like fucking people too that's what's crazy right so like when there's sections later we'll get to with the aristocracy where like when you deal with those people you are generally rolling a specific type of die. So if you're talking to like the head guy of like the head family, you need to be rolling D12s. If you don't got D12s, you're not even fucking talking to this guy. And I love how this table can be seen again, like in different variations throughout all the mechanics of the game. So fucking clever. I really love Did it. Did we miss the part already where they talk about using uh, wrist tie for pets? So I think we might have blown by it, but um, oh, oh, when it's right it says above design don't... commentary. <laughs> oh yeah, the design commentary so basically says don't kill your pet. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's I like, love that. Yeah, you can use a use uh, a wrist die for a pet. 
but like we really strongly encourage you to not kill them when the die runs out. I'm like, yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, the result of rest die uh, use a similar structure. Uh, a delta six material cannot produce a glorious result. Only a delta twelve can, et cetera, et cetera. So when you have to roll the die, because you will roll those die too, it, mm -hmm. it's they are still die. Um, it basically like you can use this whole table. And it doesn't matter what you roll. If you're rolling a D12, right, um, and you roll a 1, harm is still up, even though you could get a 12, right? And it doesn't matter when you go up, because if you have a D4 dice, you can't get to a D6 anyway. So it doesn't matter. That's what's so clever about this whole thing, too. Like, I feel like this almost feels like those coin machines where the pennies only go in one and the dimes only go in one and the quarters only go in one. Like, it doesn't make a difference because, like, mm. the dice can only be what the dice are. And whether it's a 12 or a, or a 1, whatever it is on here, it's all the same. Again, the consistency on this mechanic is really fantastic. Um, tarot cards uh, are not used in the game at all. Um, I, I think you can like draw them at some point for something or whatever, but it's yeah. really more to for like the lore of it. Like they described, like the the higher aristocracy is, um, like the the Minor arcana is. Yeah, you assign yeah. to arcana. We'll get to there at the end, and like the character classes too that you're generally are assigned to major arcana. Yeah, yeah the general can, deal. Yeah. You can roll for them too. I mean, but I would definitely. You can. Oh. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you can. I guess, but I would definitely bring tarot cards to the table and be like, "We're what are we gonna play us." Well, what's dope about that, too, is that you get like that tarot card can put so much personality into your entire character the entire time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, oh, if yeah. I rolled this character and we played a campaign, I would get a fucking tarot card T-shirt and rock my fucking character. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I would absolutely. do all sorts of shit. I would I would have it as like a fucking dice box. I would get like the tarot card dice box. Um, Still going attributes. There's six of them. Uh, You can only go from zero to three. I like it. It's a small a small window you're not you're not rolling to get fucking three d6s and 12 and stuff you got strength again um, i'm gonna read this because it's written in the way that they write and i love the way that they write so strength hit things good carry more stuff lift things be strong dexterity shoot things good sneaky deaky dodging yoga yoga <laughs> uh, <laughs> con more hp carry more stuff survive poison handle your booze um intelligence cast spells no things quote unquote actually um or research uh wisdom see with your eyes read the room more mp chill with animals more hp and then charisma force of personalities public public speaking more mp being online just the way, like I said, I know we read a book and I'm not going to call people out on it. I'm also not going to remember what it was where someone, again, like tries to write the the language of the game kind yeah. of in like and a, with their a, personality. Yeah. Either their personality sucks or their writing does. But these, this is fucking fantastic. Yeah, the whole way through. It's, it, it's a fun it made read. me laugh so often. Yeah. yeah. And again, because so much of it is like technical language, but then like it'll hit you with something that you just like you just crack up like in, yeah. in a good way. And it's really great uh, using your attributes. So this is basically how to roll stuff. Right. So the low life player states what they want to do. So we're, uh, I think we're getting into a part here where I have uh, an issue. So your attributes come into play. It's 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 PBTA. You roll 2d6. It's mixed success. Right. So. Uh, the low life states what they want to do. The gym states how risky and effective that approach will be. So the other thing too is this section randomly bursts into blades in the dark language. 
without mm. explaining the Blades in the Dark language. Um, they do that a couple times through here. Like at one point they talk about a move, um, but they don't explain moves. Like there's there are there's a references. couple of moves in here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, like I'm okay with that. I'm okay with this being like, this is not your first game. You've played PBTA before. You know what yeah. these words mean. Or write it like it's a like for brand new people, right? So like, right. if you're gonna have like two and a half pages on how dice work, then you should also have how what approach means, what position means, and all this stuff works too. But if you're gonna just put the words in that we all know because we played these games or read these games before, get rid of the two pages on how dice work. Um, like pick a pick a level of of how dumb you think the people are that are reading the book um the lower life player states what they want to do the gm states how risky and effective that approach will be the low life player rolls 2d6 adds them together with an attribute in question one to six fail with consequence seven to nine success with, cons uh, with consequence 10 to 11 success 12 plus critical success that means you don't have to roll 2d6s you can roll like an 11 plus modifier and still get a crit um, the table interprets a result in the context of the situation. I like that it's a table interprets a result. It's definitely a group narrative for a lot of the stuff. Um, the risk determines how bad the consequences are. Uh, again, advantage and disadvantage. And then we get into, like I said, approach, position, and effect, which is Blades in the Dark language. Approach is basically how you want to do the thing and what you're using, like your attribute, equipment, all that stuff. You're explaining that. And then position and effect, I mean, I did actually go back and, and read some Blades in the Dark again, which... Um, <laughs> are, you, are you mad that he went back and had to read I'm mad. I'm mad I had to fucking read it again. Um, position and effect are kind of used loosely here. It basically says, based on the low life's approach, the GM then describes the risk and effectiveness. Um, the uh, table should have a good sense of the consequence of both failure and success before rolling. My thing is, like, there's no real reason to use, quote-unquote, like, position and effect to use the blades that are language in this because it's not the same. Because right. if you're going to say position and effect, but, but then in the way that you write it, say risk and effectiveness, just call it risk and effectiveness. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I mean, personally, I'm never a big fan of position and effect. Like, yeah, it's terrible. As like a standout thing, I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just because in my table, naturally we're going to have discussions like, okay, well, like where you're doing things right now, if you do this and succeed, like it's what's it really going to give you? You know, maybe mm -hmm. not a lot, um, but I don't like codifying it as that and making it like a like boxed parameter. I was actually what's funny on here and we'll do a quick aside. I solidified or crystallized a little bit of my feeling about PBTA and um, and it's it's derivatives, not derivatives. You know, what I mean, like it's 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 children, yeah. um, especially also after listening to uh, to the recent um, RTFM um podcast episodes with uh aaron king and max lander definitely go read rgfm they are smarter and better than us at, at this um but uh that's so and, true <laughs> uh, right and talking uh, in the discord server i i realize why i don't like pbta games um or not in the way that pbta is written to be written um and why the people that like it do and don't like the way that i like pbta games which is more towards world dungeons um and like victory basic as opposed to even like dungeon world um it's that um there's too there's too much scaffolding mm. and too much vocabulary like i don't need a capital p capital e position effect for you to just tell me 
after they say what they want to do, you say what the risks are. You know what I mean? It's the same yeah. thing. And I think that when those style of games came out, having the vocabulary and having that mm. amount of scaffolding for a new game was important. I just think that um, game mechanics and kind of like game language and stuff has evolved past that. Um, and an understanding of that style has evolved past that. So for me, um, one of the reasons I don't like moves is it's too much scaffolding. You know what I mean? Like, like I feel like I like the options for everything and the move literally gives you like three and that's the narrative. So to me, it's just too much scaffolding and it's too much vocabulary that says like, well, when you do capital A, you get to capital B, which lets you do capital C, which gets you capital D. And I'm like, that's four new vocab words for you to tell me to just do this like quick thing. You know, I don't need it. Um, that's just an aside that's not really effective with this. I just don't think you need to use the the Blades in the Dark language here because it's not used quite the same. Um, and this is done much more simply. Um, anyway, so position and effect. Basically, approach, you say how you want to do it. Position effect, the gym tells you the risk and consequence for it. Um, and then... Um, and then there's consequences, and that aligns to the fiction, aligns to the risk, um, it aligns to um, uh, the narrative that you got, you're doing together. Uh, it talks about grievous bodily harm here. We're going to skip that and talk about that in damage because I have I have opinions on that too. Success mm. and critical success, they exist. It's a happening. Um, special actions. So uh, special actions are quote-unquote moves. Um, it's interesting because when you get to special actions later, one of those, they start calling it moves, and I think maybe there's just a... Uh, forget to recall it special actions we'll get to right. that but basically they are they are literally like capital m moves ppta style as in like on a one to six you get one on seven to nine you get like two on a ten to a, like you know etc cetera, etc cetera. you can get yeah. up to all five so special I, actions are special moves you get to do i think i prefer I maybe just within the context of this game i think i prefer special actions uh as a title yeah, I hate but I moves uh, what's up I hate the word moves. Oh, yeah, I, I genuinely hate it. But I think in this one, special actions is even better because most things aren't a special action. Most things aren't mm -hmm. a move, you know, mm -hmm. except a few things that are a special action. But, but dude, things not being a move <laughs> is a move, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, the joke, the here, joke that never leaves our podcast is, oh, everything's ever. a move. Everything is a move. Um, this is how I like moves, though, because I do like PBTA style moves. What right. I don't like is basic moves i oh don't God, yeah. want everything that i do broken down like to me i feel like when you really go hard on pbta style moves it's like why do i have a gm this could like i could it could everything is laid out all the narrative is laid out i i could literally sit here and be like well i trigger this move and the move tells me i have three things and then i trigger the next thing like i feel like you could sit around doing a pbta game without any gm because everything is laid out for you and when you trigger a thing the thing happens and we already know this you know what i mean yeah um i don't i personally don't like that what i do like those style of moves for is like powers spells special actions things mm -hmm. where i'm not doing the my basic shit i'm doing something big and important and the risks and consequences are specifically laid out in a way that's important to the style and the fiction I love moves when it's done exactly this way. So when I saw that, my head immediately said, I hate moves. But then I was like, but not when they're done this way. I really enjoyed them this way. And we'll get to those again a little bit later. Um, 
special action attributes um special actions commonly use primary six attributes listed um but there are some other ones that you'll get to and we'll get to the hashtag brand discussed in section 8.1 um not hyperlinked it'd be nice if it was but again this is 2019 um is acquired uh brand is acquired for charismatic posting online the first time they kind of mentioned that um in the game hashtag brand and posting online my brain went wait i'm posting stuff online um even though like it's there before um some outcomes are more concerned with the fiction of the game don't underestimate the importance of shifting the narrative and success of your low life's adventure um advantage and disadvantage we've talked about that three times already um it exists there is a very long uh there is a there's a example of play here um and then we get into setup oh that's me i'm set up um so the setup's pretty easy uh it's essentially just telling you what you need to play this game um, and then discussing with your low lives kind of like the tone and the setting. Um, is this going to be like a silly or serious game? Um, is this going to be like very dark and heavy? Uh, the discussion to have with your player characters, it's, I think it says before the ink dries on the character sheet uh, is crucial. And I agree. Um, Joe characters in the focus uh, of ancient prophecy can absolutely roll in the same party so long as everyone knows what to expect um great advice very solid mm. advice i skipped over like kind of what you need but it's a tabletop game these are the things you need um dice shit like yeah um content's really interesting like what does your world look like are the immortal aristocracy like this one says vampires and i'm thinking like you know they, they ride mechs around or whatever yeah do you live in dome cities like what is in this world um like, do you want a fun sex romp, uh, which is very t t 2019? Um, very rare that you see that, uh, and we'll see more stuff like that uh, coming up. Um, yeah, and it kind of just lets the the uh, what did I roll for GM? Um, um, fuck, goofy. grand maniac. Yeah, we'll say that. Yeah, whatever the good. Like, it gives the grand maniac like room to like help plan and move around. Uh, then you have safety and curation tools. Always a great section. Talk about safety tools with your team, with your uh, table, um, and then there's a designer commentary. Uh, uh, try not to worry over much about withholding information and lobbying for the inclusion of content that will make your players uncomfortable. Uh, for example, uh, horror content is important to the game you want to run. Uh, now is a good time to explore examples of horror with your table and find effective. Uh, sorry, horror your table found effective and enjoyable. Uh, there are many ways to build tension, but the first and most important uh, is a table willing to give themselves fully to the fiction. Yeah, basically, don't try to stuff stuff in the game you want. I mean, yeah, um, I do. I do think that that section's uh, written incredibly well. Um, mm -hmm. I like a lot of this, and I I do think it's important. Yeah, I. So this is the first time I'm going to say this, and won't be the last. Uh, I I think this should be in a different spot though, and like I think this should be. First, it's weird that we're this far in yeah, when this is generally up. like the very first, like maybe right after introduction, but generally this should be like before introduction, like all of this thing. We're basically saying like, like this after or... introduction. I want like I want to intro with that that paragraph. I want it to be the first yeah. thing I read. You know, but like a lot of this stuff is more like I feel like this is more like inside cover of the book. Like you're not really in the book part yet. You know what mm, I mean? Okay, I could see that. I can like see that. Like X card, safety tools, like all to me, like what dice are, or like what dice you need, stuff like that. That that to me feels like. I mean, like Adam puts, you know, Adam Vass puts that either right on the inside cover or even just puts the dice and stuff that you need like on the back cover, so it's not even like in there anyway. 
Um, it is, it is like you said, great, well written though. It's good. Yeah. Uh, moving on to uh, that's it. That's actually by far the shortest section in this entire yeah. thing. Um, yeah. A character four, or sorry, uh, section four is character creation, uh, building your low life. Um, so it's interesting because this has derived stats. Um, so you roll two like d six, and then you look at this table to get what that stat is, and then it has you assign those stats in order. You're rolling like top to bottom, like strength first, down to charisma. Um, I am not a massive fan of derived stats. Um, I'm a I'm a stat spread guy, uh, but like the window here is pretty is pretty small, uh, so I think this one's okay. You know, it's not like yeah. you're rolling and you're like it goes one to like nine or whatever um, or zero. Yeah, to but nine. yeah, because you're 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 you're. I mean, your go to is d twenty roll under. So like. Right. Deriving stats for that is weird, but as far for like two d six with the numbers and stuff like that, like either either doing like a um like a, a what am I trying to say like a standard array, but I actually really yeah. love this like zero to three because you max out at it anyway, and the numbers right. aren't like really that crazy. I think it's interesting. And the majority people... things you're gonna get will be one, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and not only that, like, it does... At one point in the game, maybe I breezed over it, it, it talks about, like, bringing OSR into, like, PBTA and Black Hack and stuff a little bit. Um, so I don't... I think it's a nice thing to sit around the table and, like, roll your six stats. Kind of gives you that little bit of, like, dungeon gamey feel. Um, yeah. And, and, but then your your margins are, like, yeah, you're pretty much going to get ones and zeros for everything. Um, I like <laughs> hey, it. Might get I actually two. like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, once you generate your six abilities, you can swap to. I am also the person who's like, honestly, just roll six and assign them how you want for your character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is like, at the same time, like, if there's a game where it's like you have to roll for stuff and everything's random, like, no, everything has to be random. Um, it kind of depends on the game, I guess. There is a example for how stats work, which is great for somebody. Um, uh, yeah. Um, and then now there's your general deal. So your general deal is uh, who your character is. You can roll for it. Uh, you can pull a tarot card, which is 100% the correct way to do it. Um, or you can... Oh, it doesn't give you the option to pick. Good, don't pick. Um, and then, yeah, so your general deal kind of tells you who your character is, what their background kind of is. Um, it gives you, like, an ability that's almost always pretty cool. Um mm -hmm. Actually, I think all of them. I, this might be one yeah. where I think almost. I, I think yeah. all of them hit. There's know? basically no class that I would be like, sure, fuck yeah, let's do it. I had a hard time because we said we were going to talk about just two. You pick one, and I pick one, and that's not what's going to happen today. Um, we're going to talk about a couple, but uh, yeah, you get two leading questions as well. The answer uh, that kind of like give you a relation to maybe another low life or like somebody in the world. Um, in there, fucking... I cannot. I think maybe. I'm such a character creation guy that I think this section is what really 100% I was like, oh, this is this is it, you know? So, well, if I roll for it, if I roll yeah. for it, I rolled the rogue intelligence. But I mean, okay, quick, quick, quick breeze through on here. If I was going to pick, no, knowing what you know about me, which which one or two would I pick? Oh, maybe the God Hunter or that's one of them. Yeah, it's one of my top two. Um, the Blight Warden. You got me. I'm um, a fucking open book. Those are my top okay, two. Okay, if right you there. had to pick, if you had to pick two for me, 
Fuck you, but you're 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 quirky sometimes. I know, but this, um, it's so funny. This whole game is like there's not one like general deal in this game that I would be upset upset about giving. I'd be no, stoked on any of these. Not a single know? one. Um, no. I I would almost say Wizard School Dropout, but that feels kind of like the classic one. I and um, that's, I think that's why I like that one though because it does yeah. feel like the like the, the base thematic. archetype for this. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really do like that one. I also love that it's the fool card that cracks me the fuck up. Yeah. Um, and uh, gosh, for your other one, I mean, you would get weird and be like the escape clone of the astronaut, I feel like. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Uh, the escape clone. I think let's talk today. Let's talk about the Wizard's Cool Dropout. Uh, mm. Let's talk about the what? Blight Warden. Let's mm. just do the four that we both picked. That'll be enough. That's cool. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind like just touching on the bicycle mechanic too because i think that's a sleeper class and the entire thing that i love absolutely okay all right go for it so uh i'm gonna read them because they're fun to read they're well written um honestly shout out this game is is enjoyable to read uh yeah yeah so wizard school dropout the fool it was 4 a.m when you looked up from your mercury fumes of your overcrowded dormitory to see clearly for the first time just how many of you had piled in to learn the proper arcane arts and how few proper wizarding positions were open. It wasn't a total waste. You know the basics of the magical arts, how to defend a thesis, and you can hold your liquor. Um, All things you learned in school. Um, Alt metric, uh, which is the ability. You may use uh, intelligence instead of charisma when posting. if the topic is concerning the esoteric, arcane, occult, or otherwise magical. I think another thing I like about these is that when you get your general deal, as someone who's like the game master at all times, the ability of the general deal is will tell the game master what's going to be included in that game. Because oh, yeah. some require you to have like, you know, gods and demons and stuff. I'm like, okay, great. That's what's going to be in this game then. Maybe not all the time, but I know to include it. And I really like yeah. that the implied setting in here is heavy, uh, mm. but not so heavy that it's strangling. Um, yeah, um, leading questions for this. Uh, you owe a lowlife a lot of money. Why are they being chill about it? And the other one is a fellow lowlife convinces you to leave your academic life behind. What were they right about? I like the leading questions. I think they're interesting. I like that you don't have to enter both. You can use them to actually ask a different question if, if, if it doesn't suit you. It's a really interesting way to do character creation. One, because like you just said, you you are bit, like when you have your four characters, you can all look at each other and basically the, there's a quote unquote implied setting. I think like 80% of it is built, but the 20% personalization that you can do to it is really fantastic. Yeah. And so much of it is done in these quote unquote general deals in the classes that extra 20% is that it's just so it's, it works so well together. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I will also say, actually, I totally skipped saying this, but I said it way earlier, but general deal. Great. Really good. Oh, the words general. deal. Yeah. Just like, what's your guys like, what's general your deal? deal? It's like, yeah. Oh yeah. I read that. And I was like this. So it, it makes a lot of sense for this. And also how this is written with this kind of like tongue in cheek. Oh, like this it's is perfect. Fun. Yeah. Uh, do you want to read the Blight Warden? Sure, I'll read it. Um, this is my favorite. This is for the High Priestess. Uh, the planet is a living thing and it is sick, but the symptoms are so big that most folks can't see them. Droughts and hurricanes, rising seas and foul water, and the blight. Pools of chromatic ichor 
I think it's supposed to be H in there. Uh, pulling uh, downstream from factories and dump sites, it clings tar-like to creatures and trees over time. It changes them into mutated, dangerous things. The immortal aristocracy likes to keep the blight away from their estates and, to a lesser extent, their taxpayers. Uh, you and those like you were sent to burn the blight away and kill the mutated gross. You are a wet cloth on the fevered forehead of a dying world. Love that last bit. Also, could you just a whole campaign of blight wardens yeah. going out and blast that's a whole different game like, absolutely crazy um, um i think yeah. one that we're not going to talk about but is a really good good one is the next one the neophyte body modder um which oh, is just like too. yeah you make uh do you care would you should we just read it yeah well let me finish this one Oh, um, you I'm so sorry. Purify is your ability when fighting the mutated, corrupted, or otherwise unnatural. You may add your con to your damage roll. That one is one of the ones that's a little bit more specific, I think. Um, obviously, if you're going to be this character, the GM would have that shit in your game. Um, but some of the other ones are, are kind of like more fitting to everything. And the leading questions are, you helped a lowlife navigate some dangerous ter terrain. What hidden thing did you find there? That's cool. Um, while you were sinking into a hidden pool of blight, a fellow lowlife came across your plight. How did their quick thinking save you? The other thing I like about the leading question we didn't mention yet is this is uh, relationship building. Because yeah. how I read fellow lowlife means like you're uh, another one of your party another, members. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. are the the only positions in this game to play are the GM or a lowlife. So right. it reminds me of, and that's why I actually haven't referenced this game in a really long time since like, the first year, uh, Monty Cook Games uh, Cipher System. Whenever you build a character, they also have these questions. They're like, okay, a per like a person table has to agree to this question, but how did you do this or that? It's very similar, and I think it's uh, works really well. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the neophyte body modder, um, the immortal aristocracy suffers the body modder guilds, uh, but they do not do so gladly. They loathe any institution older than their own, and doubly so, anyone whose services cannot be bound exclusively to them. You have taken the first steps to being a master bod uh, body modder, serving the mighty and meek alike to bring them comfort, independence, and dignity. The limbs you fashion are crude but functional. The magics that animate the appendages and internal organs of your creation work well, but you can still see the seams. Do not worry about the, the rumors from those who do not understand your trade. Your charge is not to replace broken parts uh, with fixed ones. It is to help those in need to create a body with which your client will be happy. So cool. Um, yeah, one of the things I really like about um, about all of this in general, too, is... Now, listen, we I do not have a prosthetic... So I'm talking like with doing my best to not sound ableist as fuck here, right? Because um, I don't know how people feel about it, but I feel like uh, as soon as you start talking about prosthetics and things like that in a game, uh, it's really important to make sure it's one of those things that like has to be done with uh, a level of, I mean, everything should be, but you know what I mean? Like a level of um, care, especially if you're not a member mm -hmm. of that community. Um, and without trying to sound ableist or whatever, I feel like they do it incredibly well through this entire thing with a lot of respect and, yeah. it and feels everything very positive, all the way through. Yeah, know? it feels not only positive, but, like, it feels like it's not saying, like, having a prosthetic is not a bad thing at all in the game. The The, the base is pretty much, if you have a prosthetic, like, it works like, like, like normal. Like, that's fine. Like, 
or you know um and can actually be dope because as you increase your prosthetic you get like special abilities and shit with it too like it's not like oh you have like um you know a prosthetic leg and now everything you roll is a disadvantage you're not like permanently disadvantaged by your prosthetic you're at least um having the same abilities you had before you had the prosthetic or even more so um and i really like that i didn't like you said i feel like it was really a positive way and, and done yeah. in a really respectful way but again i'm not a member of that community could be right. talking my ass but that's how i totally I and i'm i'm so down to be corrected on this but the reason i kind of want to talk about this is because i thought it was so positive I mean, like it's yeah. not about fixing what's broken it's about making somebody happy and comfortable within their own form and i was like damn that's pretty good uh, yeah, your ability build a mod. Uh, given a few hours of quiet work, you can turn most objects into a prosthesis. Uh, the object becomes a prosthetic of equal die size and bearing some functional or aesthetic hints of its source. Uh, I think <laughs> scissors become scissor hands, for instance. Great, great reference. Um, and then leading questions. A fellow lowlife uh, never felt comfortable in their own skin until you gave them counsel. Uh, with their permission, good note, uh, in what way are they now changed? The other one is, you were imprisoned by a puritanical member of the aristocracy for helping common folk achieve the bodies that they need. Uh, why did one of your fellow lowlifes break you out? Great. Dope. Dope. That is a good one to talk about. I really enjoy yeah. that. Because there's like a whole section on prosthetics later. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so many. There's so many good ones. Yeah. Uh, Rogue Intelligent, Circuit Riders, cool. The Tomb Streamers, dope. Um, live streaming your fucking adventures and shit. Uh, Pitballer. What was the other one? Local uh, Skate Clone, cool. I think, is the next one we're doing, which oh. is 4210. Oh. Which also, once again, great organization where I'm like, oh yeah, it's 4210. Like, you know exactly where it is. Uh, the, the Escape Clone, which is also the Hermit card, um, which I love. Uh, there was a time when you thought everyone shared your face. Back in the hidden city deep below ground, where you answered only to older versions of yourself. Unlike your siblings, you were never quite unable to let go of a burning question. Why weren't you allowed to leave? <clears throat> now that you've skipped town, you're still getting used to all the different faces that other people wear, the other genders, and other creatures. You've also learned that anyone who bears your face has almost certainly been dispatched to bring you home against your will. Um, the ability is another face in the crowd, You've developed an astounding capacity to blend into a crowd when trying to shake a pursuer. Uh, very good functional ability. The leading questions being, uh, someone who looks exactly like you, but with an eye patch, tried to take you by force. How did the fellow lowlife help you shake them off? Um, the other one is, the apparent worldwide conspiracy surrounding your origin has become a fixation of one of your fellow lowlifes. What bizarre truths have they learned about you and your fellow clones? Right. There's a worldwide conspiracy about mm -hmm. about this city of underground city of clones um, that wasn't now is in your world. Wasn't there a movie that did that? And I can't remember what it's called. <clears throat> yeah, the yeah, there outfits. is. It's um, it's they're clones. I mean, they're not all the same clones, but they're clones of other people held um, in a facility because they're supposed to be like organ transplants for rich people. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. I think it's called I the Island. Remember. Was that that wasn't Kirsten Kristen Stewart? Was it? No, it was uh, Charlize Theron. Or maybe I she was like the, one of the bad one of the bad bitches. Oh, it was though. Scarlett Johansson. Maybe I'm thinking of something different. Then I mean, obviously, mm. there's more than one. Every time a movie comes out, they make that's very three true. Of it. Uh, that one's Scarlett Johansson in uh, in Obi Wan Kenobi. So <laughs> it was that one. It's a it's um, a pretty good movie, you know. 
I feel like there was a different one though that I'm thinking of as I scroll through these. What was the other one? The hedge pharmacist is cool. The poacher gatherer is dope. Um, the third the eye, the, the private third eye is good too. Um, oh yeah, that oh. one's sick. The god hunter, yeah, go for yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, so the god hunter, every solstice, new gods. So also the amount of lore in some of these character classes too, insane. Every solstice, new gods emerge in odd corners of the world, and every solstice, the hunt begins anew. Every god contains the potential for a new minor house of the immortal aristocracy to arise. Once shackled, they can be drained of their power to ensure the life and vitality of those with the means to keep them. If one wishes to truly fight the immortal aristocracy, they must be prepared to fight gods. You've been sniffing around the edges of the great houses for some time now, trying to sort out the secret hidden vault in which their gods are kept, preparing to put them at both down. The gods are too dangerous to exist. So your ability is schism when battling the divine, demonic, or otherwise extraplanar. You may add your wisdom to your damage rolls, and your leading questions as one of your fellow low lives is not yet convinced of the righteousness of your hunt. What about their disagreement is charming rather than frustrating? Or you suspect a fellow low life is divine in nature, if only a distant descendant of a minor godhead. Why would you never let them come to harm? So this straight up says gods exist. The immortal aristocracy is immortal because they literally capture gods, chain them up, stick them in their basement and siphon the power off so that their whole family can be immortal. Right. And every solstice, new gods pop up. And basically everyone just goes, yeah, let's go catch a god. And like hopes to raise their station by catching a fucking god. That's so fucking cool. Oh, it's un like, dude, reading this the first time, and I skimmed this part, and I got down to the actual immortal aristocracy section, which is the last section. Reading, it, I was like, dude, what? This is, I mean, that's so creative, right? Like, yeah, it's such a good idea. It's like, yeah, they've enslaved oh the god to give themselves immortality. Um, which <clears throat> I actually, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but I wrote a setting when I lived in California, what and like, who did you? Okay. No, I was saying yes, of course. We've talked about it like 80 times. <laughs> Talk but about like, it. I was like, oh yeah, like the current gods are actually stealing their power from the actual gods. Um, yeah, oh god. Uh, what, would you, what would you, what did you call them? Wasn't it a P? Does it start with a P? Like they take them over and then they chain up the gods and siphon the power from the gods. Yeah, they're like primordials or something like primordials, that. Primordials, yeah. that's what, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but dude, write not, that more, write more of that. I know, I should write more of that. It's so old, yeah. I actually still have all the documents for it, because um, I did write a lot of it down. Um, but, um, dude, it's such a cool piece of, like, large piece of lore for this game. Yeah. Well, and then some of the other classes, like the Disgraced Noble is literally one that like lost their immortality, which is dope. Um, the Strike Organizer is cool because that's sick. But then um, one of the other ones is, uh, oh, the Oathbroken Executioner was another one that was like high up on my list. Mm. But the, the God on the Run. So there's like three yeah. classes where you're either hunting a god, are a god, or used to have immortality and lost it. Like so fucking cool. Yeah, I really like the God, god on the Run. I, I definitely created a character concept for that one. Um, I don't know why Starfire popped in my head as soon as I read that. Like the Teen Titan? Yeah, because she's like super powerful, but like kind of dumb. And like when they mm. read, when you read the part, it like I feel like part of it's just like, uh, what is it? Um, there's one that basically it, it basically says like you like you had to be explained. Like someone had explained to you that like being a god is not normal. You know what I mean? Like. 
but yeah. Um, I had a cat crying at the door. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. For a long time, you thought your life was perfectly normal. Which of your fellow low lives had to be the one to explain that most people aren't the product of celestial intervention. Um, so I don't know why that popped in my head for someone to just be like, wait a minute, you can't do this magic. You know, like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All of them are good. Like we could literally sit and read like all fucking 22 of them. And they would all, all be fucking them. bangers. They're yeah. all bangers. Hmm. There's like there's no misses that all the general deals hit. Um, okay, so uh, invent your magic domain and patron. Um, this is another point in the game that I love. This is very much a me. Uh, like so, for your magic domain, you basically just pick what kind of magic that you do, and it can be related to your general deal. And it doesn't have to be, but it will dictate um, what you can deal with, right? Uh, I like their example a lot. Oh, per uh, dude, um, I was just going to say that. I was hoping you were going to read the example. Yeah, so uh, the nature of do your domain uh, may make certain applications of magic impossible. Great. Uh, you cannot melt a steel door with the turnip domain, for instance. Um, on the other hand, a low life with the magma domain would almost certainly have better chains. Uh, and I couldn't think of a better example to give than that one. Uh, mm -hmm. It is perfect. And I like that picking a domain immediately limits you. Because um, yes. I think, like, limitations and rules give you space to be really creative. Oh. Uh, that was it? What's up? Nothing. Um, but yeah. So, uh, that's that's uh, that's your domain. Dude, um, I, I don't know if I've ever actually tasted turnip. Hmm. <sighs> hmm. Um, yeah, and it kind of gives an example of, like, you know, uh, Wizard School Dropout I may have something that sounds like college magic or like a college major and then like you know the Oath Broken Executioner which I'm surprised is not one of the ones you picked we have some like oh it was I my number three I just forgot it okay yeah uh, so I like it says probably have a kind of gothic word salad yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um what's interesting because everybody can have magic so like every single one of these can get like the astronaut like there's an example mm -hmm. later that has like star magic and shit, but like even like the bicycle mechanic and like the rogue intelligence, like having first of all being able to do whatever because it's also like it's cool if your rogue intelligence magic has to do with rogue intelligence, but it's also cool if your rogue intelligence magic is like pillows, like you know, absolutely, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just starting pillow fights all the time, right. Land landing softly out of any window you jump out of. Uh, mm -hmm. I can make that work. Dude, um, dude, yeah, and then, like the like the 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 fucking when when on community when they wrapped Pierce up in all those pillows and had like a pillow golem, you know. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that episode, but yeah. Listen, right. I've seen uh, several episodes. Uh, patrons. Um, so I read this as this is optional, right? You may choose to begin with a patron, yeah. and basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you can patron, find one later if you want. Like Yes. So yeah. a patron is represented by a risk die, um, usually well here. Um, and you can uh call on them uh for for aid, essentially. Um and if you roll a one or two, um the size the die size goes down. And you can do a mission for them to increase uh that die size. Um and I like that. I think it's really cool. And I think for some of the characters personally. When I think of patrons, I think of like warlock magic. 
um, yes. from that well, one yeah. trad yes. game. Um, yeah. And for some of these general deals, I as a player, I wouldn't require this as if I'm the GM, but I as a player will probably be like, why does my person have magic? I'd probably pick a patron to fill in that, like, why does my whatever um, bicycle mechanic or astronaut have magic or whatever? Um, I, but once again, it's not really like you don't have to, but I think it adds yeah. like like a fun like element to like, man, I pissed off my patron um, or well, hey, help, you know? Well, that's one thing I did like about playing Warlocks in uh, that other game is kind of it's it's one of the only ways that 5e does what this does the entire time which is to put lore into the game give you yeah. narrative flavor versus just being like terrible um but the uh, only good thing about the warlock though <laughs> yeah so uh is that your your patron gives you so much narrative flavor for you and your gm to work with that like it's it's just fun you know, yeah. especially if you have a GM that like fucks with you with it. It's so much fun, um, which I would totally do. I would absolutely you have to. It would it would be a double edged sword that. Yeah, I mean, they can help you, but also they have their own agenda and you're just a tool in their own yeah. larger agenda. But people forget that all the time. People forget that intelligent swords have personalities that can fuck with people right. all the time, too. You're like 10 episodes later and just like, oh, shit, like, oh, yeah, your guy talks again. Oh, I guess he's been quiet. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. There is a section, though, like the next the very end of that says, like, they're often more trouble than they're worth. And that's the yeah. reason why it's because they will. But they you can, never know fuck with you. when a little yeah. extra planner intervention will come in hand. Um, yeah. I would absolutely use this. I would encourage my my table to use this. But once again, I would treat this as an optional thing, which I, is how yeah. it's written. I um, would say that I would not do it in the first game. Right. I would add that in when people are comfortable, which I think would only take like a session or two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, record your starting dice uh, and your brand. Um, your low life begins with a hashtag, hit hashtag die. Brand. I'm just going to say brand. I'm not saying hashtag, hashtag brand. Um, whenever uh, your low life begins with a hit die of a D6, a magic die D4, um, and a martial die of D6, and a phone battery at D8, uh, and a brand of zero. Um, you don't roll these right now. Just write them down. They're basically just the dice you use for those things. Um, and then just choose two bonuses. Uh which I guess it just right as you create your character, right? I was kind of reading this at one yes. point in time, like this is like leveling up, but this is just right when you create your character, you can choose two of these bonuses. Uh, you can't repeat though, has to be one, like two different bonuses. Um, that's upgrading an attribute from zero to one. I think it's really great. I think it's like specific to instead of just a plus one to an attribute. It's like, no, if you have a zero, you can make it a one, um, which is I think better because uh, it keeps somebody from getting like a plus three right off the bat if they have not, don't already have one. Um, yeah. Write down another magic domain, which is the one I would take, uh, because it gives you another way to problem-solve situations. Um, you can upgrade your hit die uh, to from D6 D8, upgrade your magic die. Actually, that one might be the one. From D4 to D6, or upgrade your martial die from D6 to D8. Um, next is recording your starting HP, um, MP, and load. Your HP is just the number of sides on your hit die. So if you have a hit die of a D6, it's six. So... But you can get you can get more hit die. Totally. Yeah, you can yeah. increase your hit die. I mean, it, just in this, if you take the bonus, you have a D8. Um, yeah, your MP is equal to Wisdom plus Charisma. 
Uh, yeah, your, your starting carry is 10 plus strength plus con. That's how many items you can have uh, in your inventory. Um, and then roll for starting inventory. This is great. Uh, mm -hmm. This is a fantastic card. Basically, you're given a full spread of, uh, of dice, right? One of each size, D4 all the way to D20. There are several starting inventory tables. All of them go to 20. Um, and you pick which of those dice you will roll on each table. Uh, meaning you can only use the D20 once. You can only use D12 once. And the tables are made so that the lower uh, or like higher the numerical value on the table, the way better the items get. Yeah, but you're, this is another thing that just like, I mean, I know this is how dice work, but my brain went, this is so clever in the same way that like, you don't have to have a bunch of separate tables for a bunch of different dice because the dice can only go so high anyway. So you just write right. the table so that the D4s get certain shit, the D6s, the D8s, the D2s. But if you have a D20, you could still roll a one. So like, it's just really, really clever. Again, the way that that kind of, thought and mechanic goes from the quote-unquote wrist die use it die um throughout everything and i love the way that like your little dice are only so big but your big dice can roll super bad too and be just as equal so like i, I really enjoy that the whole yeah, there's definitely it's funny that we open this with like yeah they made this when they were like more hobbyist and now it's like a full thing that they do but like it's still there's like an incredible through line of logic um oh uh in this that i'm like oh this was definitely written hobbyist or not at the time that they wrote this they had a really good idea what they were doing and yeah. i mean there's a through line of logic for almost everything you know yeah um, fantastic again we said this is really good as is and could be absolutely fantastic like the core mechanics the core language like almost everything through i just think rearranging chopping off a bunch of unnecessary like verbiage and this is insane put it in a hardback fancy foil yeah. i would three. love to have this as a hardback i'd love to have this oh. physically i mean i i mean this is definitely you know uh, i mean listen um we'll just Ryan, have stop. to have no no, no more we'll just have to have jim room on and uh chat about it when two starts to drop i would love that um, yeah, unless so they the, call this uh, zero e and the next one is one e and then i'll fight them physically um, <laughs> um but, so the uh, tables yeah right the inventory tables are as follows. Uh, there's tools and food, drugs, medical, and recreation. Um, so that, sorry, that's, by the way, drugs, comma, medical, and recreation, recreational. Um, magic consumables, weapons, armor, reputations, and favor, and haunted heirlooms. Um, and this is, these tables hit. Like, there's some really, really great stuff on all these tables, and they're very open-ended. Um Maybe not so much like tools and food. Like, those are pretty apparent, right? You, you guys kind of know, well, you know, a terrarium full of beetles maybe is not as open or is not yeah. as apparent. Um, great cold brew. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really funny one. Um, yeah. For magical assumes, like, you know, 19's a dying star. Um, yeah. Or a sack of extra planar tentacles, you know? Oh, I do like that it... it, it they deal with items in the way that I prefer items to be dealt with. There's not this yeah. express purpose for an item. It's like, how are you using this in this scenario? And I'm like, that's great. Yeah. Um, I, I love that's So great. Like uh greenhorns with Marco did the same kind of thing where like, yes. there's just cool names for shit. And he's like, I don't know what they fucking are. You tell me. Yeah. You tell so, me how you, Oh, so good. Mm. Um, also, so I would love, uh, I don't, have you gone past weapons yet? I haven't been watching you scroll. No, it's the next one. 
uh, 20, Gunblade, the sword that's a gun. <laughs> uh, also shot Final Fantasy VIII. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I I mean, we don't have to go through all these tables, but, like, you should get this and you should good. go through these tables. They're enjoyable yeah. to read. I mean, um, the number one on armor is a parasol. <laughs> like... <laughs> But then you also have like a beanie knit by a witch and a helmet with a mustache. I mean, these are so fucking good. Mm. Um, a reputation mm. and favors, though, is a really, I mean, a really cool table. Like, yeah, your person exists in this world, and you get to roll on like, okay, you have a reputation or or favors. Like, I two, I really love. Like, half your family is werewolves. You know, yeah, like it's um, not even it doesn't say half. it says like half your like family half, is werewolves. Yeah. like half your family is werewolves. Yeah. One is really funny. Dared not to do drugs. <laughs> We're not going to get into how dare program causes for um, kids to do drugs. But what I also think is funny is Hurricane Jim comes up again later. Um, and uh, the he said he'll dragon fight for you. What's up? He said he'll fight anyone for you. you yeah, know? no, and that comes that comes up later in in the fucking I love it in the combat examples and shit. Hurricane Jim comes back and they give some examples of bad guys and shit, and you see the dragon punchers again. So I like that. Yeah, oh, yeah I, this, is, this game is such a labor of love. Like it is just Dude, so enjoyable to go through. It cracks um, me up. Yeah, I think some of the other ones is like. A really great, a really great one is fifteen. Sorry, we can move past the table after this. But fifteen, you drank from the goblet of night and lived. Oh my what god! What does that mean? Oh my god, that's so cool. That's uh, so cool. But yeah. I, I will say the the haunted heirlooms are some of my favorite fucking shit, dude. They're really good. Which one kind of stands out to you? Oh my god, you can't even. Like some of them are just like so. Like, like that Goblin of Night thing, right? So, like, um, a bullet that has fit in no gun that you can find, to me, like, like, so fucking, like, oh, yeah, you got me. But then, like, you literally can have, like, um, or, like, cuttings of the Ultraviolet Rose. Insane. But cuttings of the Ultraviolet Rose. It's so thematic. It just feels like something important, you know? Yeah. But then, but then you get a license to drive in the state of post-Ohio. Because uh, apparently <laughs> post-Ohio is a thing, and we're in the States now in this fantasy world. But the switchblade that only opens for the Prince, Prince of Thieves, whom you are not, sad face, <laughs> um, is, definitely, is definitely up there. Because um, it definitely has a sad face emoticon. Oh, one. What the doll head doll that is never, where, that you is never where you left it last. Oh, oh God. Oh, my God. A creepy doll head fucking uh, elf on the shelf? Fuck that. Yeah. I would hunt that thing um yeah it's so funny like i know we we like divided up this episode so ryan and i would be like really dialed in for going through like our parts and it, but there's just so much that you're just like but we should just walk through this real quick you know yeah um, but no yeah. because some of the some of the parts like these two or three chapters where you get read a ton and then we can just skim the rest of it like the fuck like they said like the dice shit that's two pages where you're like nope fuck that yeah um those so were, choosing those were some the goals um this is great uh and i very much agree with this it basically says like listen your your low left should have a goal and the goal should probably be a little bit more than just like the accumulation of wealth yeah Um, and achievable yeah and it should be achievable and goals can change you add to it it adds depth to your character i will say that like this does a really good job of like by the time you're done making a character for this game your character is fairly three-dimensional 
right? Yeah. Uh, more yeah. so than like, I, and I love games where you're just like, yeah, you roll a random asshole and you just die. Um, but this is a, a very natural and not forced way makes a well-rounded character. Um, so and, your name and, looked, and like we said, builds your world around and you and your party. World. Absolutely. All, all um, pretty simply. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, fill out your name, look and vibe. It sounds exactly what it looks like. Your character's name, what they look like. Um, and the general vibe, you know? Um, and then yeah, a low life's profile. So this is your like both on and offline presence. Um, so you, you can pick relationships, uh, who likes you, who hates you, you know, um, the answers of your general deals leading questions uh, should be answered here. Um, I feel like for me per personally, the leading questions are going to fill out a lot of the relationships, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, um, your alignment. Alignment. Oh, so alignment is an access, y'all. Obviously, we all know the classic alignment, which is jock or nerd or and preppy or goth. Um, and this is a graph that you fit somewhere on. When I first read alignment, I was like, okay. And then I read that, I was like, oh, okay, this is that's pretty good. Um, yeah. yeah, so you roll uh, D6, uh, 2D6, D6, not 2D6. Um, and you or choose a point on the graph. Um, your first roll, you know, one is jock, six is nerd, so you're somewhere in that spectrum. And then the, uh, the second roll is prep and uh, goth. Uh, yeah. I would love to be a gothy jock, by the way. Um, Dude, goth jock was the first thing that popped in my head. I'm like, what piece of media has a goth jock? Like, oh, who right is who is the who is the starting quarterback that like mm -hmm. rocks eyeliner and listens to MCR after the game? Like, I can't think right. of one in in modern in media. And we haven't mentioned this, but this does exist. There is a character pamphlet like this. Uh, there's multiple pamphlets, and this one's definitely for the game master. And there's a character pamphlet um as well that has the graph on it um dan's in chat just said um yeah you can uh the zodiac is you draw cards in the tarot deck until you have four uh first is star sign second is your sun sign third is your moon and last is your void sign um i don't any of that shit means and i'll skip that entirely i do listen i my characters are doing it at my table um yeah, uh, I was reading it. It's, it is the magic of astrologers that can uh, bring their influence to bear, talking about your star signs. Uh, <laughs> the magic of astrologers. Uh, your blood type. You can roll your blood type. I love the blood uh, type. Blood type cacks me the fuck up. Yeah. Um, yeah, be sure to donate uh, when you get the chance. Uh, hey, the transfusion you receive when you're limp home, uh, missing an arm uh, could be your own. When you limp home, I'm I can read. I will say, and the only uh, I love this table. I love it because it's six options, and I don't know if they had to go with six options. And there's not six blood options. There aren't. There's only four. Um, so they added the the uh, or the. I'm sorry. There's five. There's four. They added X and Omega. Yeah. And then the modifiers, positive, negative, but then you have double, extreme, chimeric, and blue. <laughs> Bro, Give me that omega extreme. Chimeric is cool. Like, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, I sounds... have AB a chimeric blood. <laughs> yeah. Omega blue. <laughs> I mean, also, our, our, our blood's blue in this way. As a person who knows blood and blood types and shit like that, I wouldn't have minded if this was a 2D6 table 2 to 12 with 
the most common blood in the middle because that would actually make your like if you need a blood transfusion even more like fucking random like obviously like a positive is 33 percent of the entire human fucking population um the most common blood type out there but having it on a 2d6 spectrum where the most commons in the middle and like chimeric and fucking extreme are on like the far ends would be really interesting yeah i could see that being very cool that does seem like a uh like a you thing <laughs> you know? also need like five more blood types but like you know whatever um Uh, yeah. Uh, next is uh dating profile. Um, Dude, fuck yeah, I'm rolling on this one. <laughs> you want to roll real quick? Yeah, I'm rolling three to six. I'll read it. You roll. Yeah, yeah. So you know, perhaps your low life is looking for someone, uh, romantic love, deep friendship, or a worthy opponent in ritual combat. Uh, your dating profile helps you define what you seek. You uh fill this out by rolling d six six six, or you can choose. Uh, what by what feels right? Please roll because it's hilarious. Um, yeah, and uh, write in an answer uh, if the option presented failed to capture your desires. Yeah. What'd you get? Two, three, five. Best possible combination of anything you can get on here. So a soft goth long-term relationship. That's real sweet. So one of those. Soft <laughs> yeah. I'll um, take it. <clears throat> really good. Uh, I like that trial by combat is um <laughs> is so you're seeking. You know? Give yeah, me a hard job for trial disaster. by combat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm looking for an eldritch uh nerd for trial by combat. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Music preference, uh, which has some like re- fun and weird options. Uh, your criminal record. We can just kind of like skim. There's a lot of uh good things and once again like by the end of this yeah. i have a really good idea of who my character is oh, you for know sure. for sure and uh oh. then we get to combat then we get to combat yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna this is gonna be one that we cruise a little bit quicker um i will say i have notes um uh, players familiar with other tabletop rpgs may be used to mechanics such as in- initiative that dictate the flow of a fight hemantic low lives favors a faster looser approach this can be tricky to wrap one's head around um so my my i think my issue with combat i have issues with combat so let's go through it and we'll talk about it's not how it works it's just some of the ways that it's described so broadly a fight is a series of attribute checks in a chaotic environment that you share with at least one other person who is really upset with you for some reason um i love the way it's written an example of combat can be found in section 11 6 um it's not um hyperlinked but like if this is the combat section, eh, put the example of combat right here. Um, uh, a fight breaks out in the fiction, negotiation sour, ambushes are sprung, two fins realize that they are honor bound to fight to death, all the good stuff, etc. Cetera, et cetera. GM creates a hit die pool for the NPCs. This is discussed in depth in section 11.1, but broadly, the bigger your foe, the more dice they get, and the better your foe, the more sides their dice have. Um, we freeze time, describe the scene, the GM asks the low lives what they want to do, and then one or more low lives declare their intent approach, and it's handled in the attribute check. So, my issue with this whole section, uh, once that's resolved, the GM describes the situation and the results, you repeat, etc, etc. One of my issues with the, with the, this whole section is, this is when it really starts being like, but go here, but go here, but go here. 
And I'm like, that makes a really incoherent way mm. to do this. Like, so it basically says example of the combat can be found in section 116. Just put it here. Um, there's the talking about NPCs in combat. You could also just put this here. Um, and then it says like one or more low lives declare their intent and approach, which is handled by an attribute check, which is on section 2.3, which I, it would take very little to just reiterate that here. Um, and then there's another part on repeat where it talks about the the morale pool, which is in section 11.5.1, which could just be here. Um, do this until low lives or NPCs flee. Um, and then from the NPC perspective, see section 11. This is one of those things where like, I wouldn't mind if um, some of the language here was like doubled up here and at the end in the NPC section, yeah. or like one of the sections had it really well, but then another section kind of had like the summary of it, but to just be like, this happens, but go over here for the south section for it. When I'm like, just give me the comment in the combat. You know? I think there's too much of it. Personally, I think like saying like the the NPC stuff being like, oh, if you want to look at that, that's over there, and the rest of this being in here, and also like inline hyperlinking the whatever eleven point five point one or whatever it was. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think morale pool and stuff should be. It is a little bit like go here, go there, go here. Yeah, um, and some of the wording for some of it when we get to later stuff too so this is like a breakdown of how like the general flow of a thing goes but like when i read it like i get it but it could be written in a completely different way that would are make you a lot more you sense need to a me. flow chart oh dude a flow chart would be insane for this um god it would we be so love. good i know um, we do love flow charts here but they also like the, i keep seeing more flow charts in games i'm like oh this is really good um, yes so good it's so good but like a lot of this is there's like one, two, three, four, five, six. There's seven bullet points to basically just be like, it's an attribute check. Like right. people start fighting, people do the attribute check thing, and then you do it again. I just, I feel like there's just too many words here and too many redirects to other areas. Cause this to me, this section here right in me is like, basically, this is how it works. Check these four other spots and then you'll get it. I just don't like that. I, I if you're gonna tell me how combat works, Tell me how combat works. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, five point one attacking. Attacking with weapon is made using an attribute check per two point three. Again, I don't mind necessarily saying go back to two point three, but it also only takes like four more words to be like two d six plus modifier. You know what I mean? Like I don't. Yeah. Uh, I personally, I um, I would just, I would just keep it like this and put, and I would bold attribute check and be like. If you want to learn how attribute check works, like go back. This one I'm actually okay with because I don't think they need to write out. Attribute check is laid out early on. You don't need to be super explained about it again. Right. But we're 60 pages later in the book and it's going to talk about mm -hmm. it a lot in this section. I wouldn't mm -hmm. mind even just at the beginning, maybe one box that just explained attribute check again at the beginning of the chapter. So, like, yeah, link back to 2.3 if you want to read it more thoroughly. But, like, when you hit the section and you're like, combat is basically a bunch of attribute checks, let me give you a little side box that says, remember, this is how attribute check works. Um, then I don't have to, like, reference it again and again yeah. and again, especially if I have cool. combat I see, Like, a little aside, a little box on the side. Like, just yeah, a little box I, that totally. just explains it again without having to be, like, flip back to this other one. Um, so, uh, attacking. Declare a target and the attribute you're going to use. And then there's the mixed success level. Six or less, you do not deal damage, you suffer consequence. Seven and nine, partial success, you deal damage, but suffer consequence. Ten or more, full success, you hit, get away clean. Twelve or more, crit, you hit, 
you gain a benefit as well. On a success, roll the die associated with that weapon to see how much damage has been dealt. We'll get to that too. Consequences while attacking, uh, critical successes while attacking. This is important sections. Um, I don't know why I feel like, it, again, there, there's just a lot of words. The consequences you may suffer for a miss or partial success should fit the context of the action. For example, common consequences might be granting advantage to your foe, rolling your weapons risk with the disadvantage or even granting your foe. Actually, no, it's great. It's two sentences. It's fine. I think maybe it's just the way that it's like broken apart. It makes me feel like maybe. it's more. Um, yeah. Success while attacking, same thing. There's a, there's there's um, um, an example. Uh, rolling the weapon's risk die with advantage never goes out of style, but it may be appropriate to grant advantage to the next attacker, position the phone in your hazard, or open an opportunity to parlay. So one of the things about this is it really lends into the PBTA style of um, combat a little bit. But I again, like I feel like the original, the the, the beginning example, like talk through combat sounds like OSR combat. But then we get into these other areas where like your consequences and, and successes and things like that. You're not really like you don't really take damage in this area. And that's mm -hmm. not really explained super great. We'll get to that in a second. Improvised weapons, they exist. Um, improvised weapons are prone to breaking, especially when the die associated with your improvised weapon comes up as a one or a two. So basically, I would just rock those as like one hit and it's done. The used die is a D4 to start, basically. Um, protection. I do like this. This is clever. Um, the piece of gear you are using for protection absorbs damage equal to half the largest number. So, for example, if you are wearing D4 armor, notice that that is not a delta. Right. Because armor, equipment, things like that aren't usage die, wrist die, wrist die, usage die. Um, uh, for example, if you are wearing D4 armor and take five points of damage, your armor absorbs two and your HP goes down by three. So if you have D12 armor you can absorb six points of damage. You get half of what the high die is. I like that. I think it's clever. It's smart. Again, Very it's clean. consistent. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, I, so this is the part that I really dislike. If I was you wondering how you would feel about this. Keep hate going. it. Hate it so much. So um, it's hard to get a good night's sleep in your armor, even when it's comfortable clothes with a magical attunement. To gain the HP and MP benefits of a night's rest, you have to take your armor off. Um, there's a later part that says if you sleep in magical armor, it gives you nightmares. I hate this. Um, and let me explain why. Um, I don't I don't hate it in like on its own in the context of the rest of the game where a lot of things are like you don't need to worry about food and water. You're a right. grown up human fucking it's, being like so much stuff is obscured away. Like yeah. where it's just like it I doesn't really matter. That's not what this is about. It, this um, feels like such a weird thing to be like, we're going to be very specific about your HP and MP gains when you're wearing armor, not even just armor, about magical armor. It just feels like a thing that it doesn't, it feels um, out of place. Like right. it, like when I read this, I was like, this is probably the only thing in the game that I would like, that I'm like, it just doesn't feel like it fits the rest of the mm -hmm, vibe of mm -hmm. everything else, which is pretty much, let's make this as easy as possible. Let's abstract a bunch of stuff, but let's get super specific about how you sleep in armor. And I'm like, soldiers fall asleep standing up in full fucking gear all the time. Right. Like, you know, I, I was, it just, it's, it's interesting when you were going to go through like the five, like section five, like chapter five, there's a few things that I'm wondering on your opinion on them. We'll get yeah. to them as we keep going through. Um, yeah. But yeah. But I don't like that. I I wouldn't use it. I like the example earlier where they talk about like donning and doffing armor is important when it's important, but I'm like, I just wouldn't make it important. Like who gives a yeah. shit? Um, it just feels like I said, it feels like a weird thing that so much other stuff is abstracted and that's specific. 
Martial training, um, the finest speeder in the hands of a novice might as well be a stick, etc., etc. I love this actually for the armor. So basically it says you start with a martial training of D6. No matter what your weapon is, all of your shit's based on your martial die. So the largest <coughs> die size you can use for a weapon or armor, like that's all it is. You can actually have a D12 blade, you can have D12 armor, like all that stuff doesn't, like it doesn't matter unless your training reaches that, you can't peek at it anyway, you're still just using a six. So if you have a D12 blade, you still only roll the D6 dice unless you roll your martial to an eight and then you roll D8 blade. I love that, I think it's super clever. I, I was, this is one of the sections I was wondering in your opinion. Yeah. I and like this armor. Yeah, armor armor is the same way. Like you can rock super amazing D10, D12 armor, but it's still only gonna absorb if your martial dies D6, it only absorbs three. Basically, I, I think this is such a clever way to just be like, yes, you can use it. You're just not as good with it as you could be. Like there's a super fancy legendary blade. You can swing it, but you're not gonna swing it as good as a super fancy legendary warrior. But if you level up, you could like you can. You Yes, you could eventually invest in that. Yeah. And I don't know, there's a lot of games that put parameters around equipment usage, and mm. it's a lot of saying no. And I always think that's kind of lame, but I also think yeah. it's lame that like somebody who sucks at stuff could just pick up a god weapon, even though they can't do they don't know anything about weapons. And this is such a great middle point where it's like, yeah, absolutely, you can use anything that's totally okay. You're just limited by your skill. Yeah. Um yeah clever smart i think like that built-in like you get better like there's a narrative thing built into that dice mechanic that i really enjoy that's not written here but it's implied here and that like exactly yeah. like you said like you get better you get better with the weapon like you know but and it makes sense because the dice are getting bigger like it's just really smart um also i'm so happy getting... we're finally going through this game and you're talking about because I, I love hearing your opinion on it um because i love this game <laughs> listen i don't really give a lot of opinions as a person that's just not oh, yeah. me <laughs> um so so get them while you can uh health death and wounds um or health wounds and death um i feel like i had opinions on this but we'll get to this so hit points represent how far you are from suffering a mortal blow characters with hp are rested lucky and stand with poise i love this basically hp is abstracted HP is not a specific number of wounds you take. It's not a specific number of injuries you have. It literally is just how rested, ready, good to go you are, or how tired, unlucky, and shitty you are. It's completely abstracted number that your general overall mental, physical well-being, like everything about you. I love that idea. Um, I recently started adapting that, and I love that I saw it in here. HP, it doesn't... It's not a one-for-one one wound situation. It's just your overall mm. general goodness. Um, hit dice. All characters have a pool of hit dice. Hit dice are used to determine how many hit points a character has. Low lives begin the game with a single D6 for the hit dice, but can improve number of sides and quantity through advancement. I enjoy that. Um, C section 10.2. So for non-player characters, hit dice determine the size and quality of an individual NPC. Small have fewer, big have larger. We'll get to that. In the NPC section, damage. So this is a part that I'm I'm not a fan of the language on at all. It's I get it, but it's confusing. Um, anything that chips away at your hit points is considered damage. Typically, damage takes the form of glancing blows, fatigue, poison, hexes, other circumstances wear down um, that can wear down and possibly kill you are also considered damage. Right. The difference between a glancing blow and a mortal one is a matter of centimeters after all. Very true. Anything that deals damage should be able to kill you. If something does not have fatal potential, don't roll damage. 
A withering insult may lower your guard, but unless the burn is so sick as to possibly kill you on the spot, you might not want to affect the character's HP. I understand. I don't like the way this is written at all. Mm. I feel like it left a lot of questions that I played enough games that I would be fine, but I feel like people newer to this thing wouldn't be fine with. So HP is abstracted. It's just a, a scale totally. of how much how 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 you are right now. How you doing? But then yeah. But then there's this part that basically says it says specifically, I think there's one line that that one or two that really bugs me. If something does not have fatal potential, don't roll damage. That it that line right there needs to disappear or be rewritten because my mind immediately went to like I get it, but a lot of people will go, well, what's what's fatal potential? Like if someone hits me with like a chair leg, that couldn't really kill me. So do I not do damage for that? Like, mm. does everything have to be a killing blow? Like if I have D six HP, does that mean only things that do greater than six damage? Like, does it have to I be think, like a real killing blow? You know what I mean? I think that line bothers me less than it bothers you. I'm actually pretty unbothered by that. Like, I understand like, yeah, hitting you with a chair leg could totally not kill you. But if I hit you in the head with a chair leg or a neck with the chair, the back of the neck, that could kill you. Like, right. So if I hit you in the leg, do you mark HP damage? Well, I would say that was contextual on the like, I mean, it. it it's like combat with anything. If you roll really high at damage, the way that the attack is described is going to be different. And if I roll really low, you know? Kind of, but this game isn't isn't OSR. This game is PBTA, yeah. right? So your approach and consequences and one d six and and fail, like it's not it's not a straight amount mm. because you don't take like the way you are dealt damage is different, right? Then NPCs even receive damage. So I get it. I understand how yeah. it's going to work. I don't like that line because I feel like it opens up a, an unnecessary question. You could remove that line, um, and nothing about this is different but then right. that question of well what's fatal damage then disappears you know what i mean i will say that i don't think it's a necessary line while i'm on i'm unbothered by it i definitely don't think it's necessary and if you feel like it opens doors that don't mm -hmm. need to be open i feel like that's, that's valid you know yeah i feel like so much of this the technical language in this game is is very understandable and straightforward and very few times have i been like well that feels ambiguous that's what I was thinking of. That to yeah. me um, throws a weird ambiguity that you don't really need because mm. I can see, because you know how hard it is to pick up PBTA when you first start anyway. Um, if you're picking up PBTA, uh, read Patrick World from Aaron King. Um, yeah. But uh, so to have a weird ambigu ambiguity to like the damage that you could have, I just feel it's, again, it's unnecessary when like it wouldn't make much difference without it. Um, running out of HP. So again, HP is a an abstract. It's basically um, all the 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 ways you get knocked down before the next blow is potentially the one that kills you. And I love that that it's it's you getting worn down and then taking a mortal blow and then there's a mortal blow table, a d66 table, and I love this. Um, so it's left leg, right leg, left arm, right arm, torso, head. And then you get incapacitated, wounded, maimed, shattered, lost, and a killing blow. And it actually levels up as you go. So my only my only thing about the table has to have the other tables been highest number first and lowest number last? No. Mm. But 
and it's it, there's no every number has the same percentage of hitting so it makes no difference so yeah i never i didn't even notice that because it didn't make a difference um yeah. like and that's the other thing too about this is like it goes incapacitated to killing blow because it does make a difference it's it's cool to see the 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 thing down um Fair. but this is another one where i wouldn't necessarily mind a uh mixed success table with mm. 11 where in the middle you're most likely going to get incapacitated and wounded and on the ends you could potentially get so like you could even you could even just roll this table like just double it in two different ways where 2 and 12 are you know uh killing blow and then etc 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 so that the middle one is incapacitated every time so you're more likely to get incapacitated or wounded and then or maimed as opposed to an immediate killing blow that would be an interesting way to like make the game a little bit potentially less healthy i think i think helm help like uh john davis helms wounds do that where they split into 2d6 tables so you're not necessarily gonna die every time but you theoretically could on a shit roll I love that, like, if you roll a three, two, or one and head, you're dead. <laughs> you're just dead, yeah. So yeah. incapacitated is, like, rolling with disadvantage, wounded, um, you roll disadvantage, and if you let it go too long, you get maimed, and then maimed, if you let it load, go too long, it gets shattered, and then shattered lets you go too long, it gets lost, and then lost, like, if it's your head or your torso, you're just dead. So I like that the if you don't get medical attention soon enough, like the the wounds will level up if you do happen to survive. Really clever, really enjoy it. Like I said, this is fine the way it is, but I wouldn't mind, like I said, splitting it out into into a, a, a mixed success table with the little lesser wounds in the middle. Uh, mm-hmm. Wounds and lost appendages. Many of the results on the table give you wounds or lost appendages that require medical attention. These wounds permanently affect your appearance and may result in disadvantage on certain roles until the appendage is replaced with a prosthetic. Wound should be recorded on a low life character sheet. So you lose an arm, you lose an arm. But as we said before, you get a prosthetic, your arm is back as good as it was before, um, potentially better. Um, recovering hit points does not negate the effects of a wound. Um, only time heals scars and only prosthetic restores um, uh, lost appendages and functionality. Medical detention is a specific thing for all of this. Uh, the consequences of a mortal blow will degrade over time. Successfully applying medical attention usually takes the form of an attribute test with the intent to stabilize a wound. Attempting to get medical attention without first aid supplies appropriate to the task is possible, but should be even riskier. So attribute test, use the narrative that you have around you. I love that. This is what I'm talking about. Like that's it's it's very abstracted and it's cool and it's good. So get rid of sleeping in armor. Um, prosthetics capable of replacing the full functionality of an appendage or organ are commonly uh, available in towns. There are the body modders. So functionality wise, you have D4, D6, D8, D12, um, there are D10, D12. These are Delta though. So these are usage, usage, um, or I'm sorry, risk die on the, um, um, prosthetics. So d6 is pretty standard across the board for everything like normal everything is is a d6 normal bad guys normal humans mostly d6s d4 is uh still rolling with disadvantage for the functionality of your prosthetic but it can keep going all the way up to d12 which is a vector of destiny um d10 or the the delta 10 is magically attuned delta 8 is um not only is it your appendage but it could be a tool or weapon love that i love that you can upgrade your prosthetic um 
da, 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 da. we talked about this body modification we've already talked about that um killing blows and death i do like this death is inevitable it can be delayed basically death is one of the only gods that is too powerful for the immortal aristocracy to capture um and or too important so if you almost die right uh or you do die you can actually go to death and bargain with death to not die love that um you offer a sacrifice obligation service whatever you tell it to the table and you know death should be inscrutable mercurial alien um maybe a cat you know definitely reminds me a bit of nine lives um and if death it's agrees the, to it's the cat from nine lives with the skull <laughs> yeah exactly that's all it is to me that's all it will be in my game um if the bargain's accepted you get to re-roll your death but you could then just immediately die again and then go back to death and be like all right um and then you just have to keep <laughs> offering more to potentially stay getting alive more and more in debt to death to death you know yeah. dope like that's so good but i also love that um i feel like the odds of like quote unquote dying are are nor like you know osr ish level you know what i mean it's right. not 5e um but I do like the idea that you get the option to potentially not die. You know, like being able to just be like, I will do this thing for you, death. And now that's a whole campaign thing that you have to do, but you didn't lose your character and stuff like that. I, I, li I like that the that's the way it's done versus like 5D where they just give you so many hit points that you're never going to die anyway. And they tell the GM not to kill you because the story's more important, you know? Yeah. Well, um, you got every encounter has to be balanced. So, yeah, right. Um, Restoring hit points, and if it's not, fudge it. Um, there are two ways, sleeping and eating. Sleeping, uh, get a night's rest. If you get a night's rest without armor, again, such a weird thing to be specific about. I don't like it. Um, take your armor off if you want all your HP and MP. Eating food is important. If you have food or spirits or other consume... Wait, I think there was a specific mechanic, yeah. Um, you regain HP by rolling one hit die and adding your con and whiz. And you get all your H MP back for sleeping. Um, eating... Uh, you cannot restore HP on bread alone, which is, again, you don't have to track food and water. Um, but if you find, if you have food, spirit, or other consumable comforts handy and spend a few minutes to rest and eat, you roll the risk die associated with your meal and regain hit points equal to the roll con plus whiz. So sleeping is hit die, um, is rolling your own hit die and adding your con and whiz. And eating is rolling the die for the food you're eating plus con and whiz. Yeah. Like that. I think it works well. I also like that yeah. it's like, oh, you have to eat every watch. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I mean, I like that when it's in the game, it makes sense for that. And I'm glad this doesn't do that because it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, not at all. Um, hit points and wounds. Restoring hit points does not mean your wounds have disappeared. We talked about this already. Um, magic. Talk to me about magic. Magic. Magic, <laughs> man. Uh, magic. Yeah. So all low lives are uh, can cast, uh, which is my favorite thing ever. I love when everyone's a wizard. Um, yeah, so you begin play with a domain, which we talked about, a magic die, uh, which we touched on, and a pool of MP. Your domain themes your magic, um, <clears throat> and your magic die kind of it dictates how powerful the potential for your spell uh, is. Uh, your pool of MP determines how many times you need to cast. Uh, before you have to uh, take a nap and restore those spell slots. Uh, magic domains, as discussed in section 4.3, it basically is just like 
how is your magic themed, um, which, you know, grants you some parameters for how you could use it, um, the turnip and magma, you know. Um, you can gain another domain through advancement, which I think is really cool. Your magic domain uh, may grant advantage to a role if it's specifically applicable to the situation um, and disadvantage if it's uniquely ill-suited. I like that that's there. Um, I'm sure that a table full of people can find a lot of occasions to use something um, in a weird way that wouldn't grant them this, but those few instances where it's like, oh, no, this specifically makes sense for my magic. It's like, yeah, go off. Um, I want to see people succeed. The magic die. Very interesting. Um, it, it's it's kind of like the martial die in a way, um, except outside the armor or whatever doesn't really dictate it. But uh, your magic determine, um, your magic die determines the powers of your spells. Anything summoned through your magic will be of a quality equal to your magic die. That's cool. Uh, deal damage equal to your uh, magic die and protect you from harm equal to your magic die. Uh, healing or restoring magics uh, recover hit points equal to your magic die roll. Uh, lasting effects will create a countdown equal to your magic die. Uh, once your magic wears off, the subject of your spells will know magic was cast on them and probably be upset about it. Um, at character creation, you begin with a magic die of D4, which can be improved uh, upon advancement. Uh, cool open format magic system, uh, which I don't know if you guys listening know this, but I'm really into that. Yeah, just a bit. Any comments about that, Ryan? Just not interesting. I think it's it's cool. I mean, you know, I like when magic is like open. I hate dancing magic. I think it's I I do not yeah. like it. I do not enjoy it. So, um, in it's called high magic, low lives. I want magic to feel high. Totally. You know, and it does like, yeah. it's very cool. Yeah. I mean, you don't roll for most things for magic. It's just like you have a D4. So it's four. it's, it's a uh, risk for whatever, you know, um, mm -hmm. it makes a lot yeah. of sense. I don't really need to reread the section and over and over to learn the parameters for magic. Um, yeah, great. MP pool. Let me tell you that I am not a massive fan of spell slots. Uh, this isn't technically spell slots. It's a magic pool, and I really do actually like this a lot. It's just yeah. how many times you can cast before you need to rest and gain back. And that pool is equal to your wisdom plus your charisma. So if you've got a zero and one, you got one. Um, each time you cast, costs one MP. Um, yeah, when you sleep without uh, wearing armor, yada yada, 6.5.1. Casting spell. Yeah, yeah, I don't really. Uh, casting spell. Um, a low life cast a spell by using their intelligence. Um, spell casting is unique uh, in that benefits of success and consequences of failure are not necessarily bound by what makes sense. Spells are limited only by their domain, their magic die, and the imagination of the player. The consequences for rolling poorly are uh, similarly unrestrained. The position of the spell, therefore, uh, the consequences of rolling poorly should deter be determined by the context of the casting. Trying to make a drowsy guard fall asleep is much easier than trying to make a rampaging bull drift off in the middle of a fight. I like this. My one issue with this is this is a six-stat system, and you need intelligence to cast, but everyone casts. And I don't love that. Um, 
if everyone can cast and you have that many stats, I personally believe that this the casting stat should have some wiggle room as to what it is um, for the player because this is saying like, well, intelligence needs to be good um, because it is what you're casting from. Do you not feel the same? I mean, it doesn't necessarily bother me because again, the the modifiers are so small. It's zero to three. That is, that's a good point. You know what I mean? But it's interesting that um, uh, you're using intelligence to cast, but your pool is made up of your wisdom and charisma. So like the right. thing is like you're you don't have one magic stat, you know what I mean? Because right. like someone could have three intelligence, but they could have zero <laughs> wisdom and one charisma. They can cast one spell. You know what I mean? So like if it was just one, it would be different, but it's half your stats make up your casting. Yeah. So like a combination of any of those three can really make a difference. Like, you know, you might only get like a plus one. You can get a plus zero and still be able to cast magic, but have high wisdom. If your wisdom's three, that means you get at least three spells. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I don't mind it because there's, like, a mixed match of so many of the stats together to give you either how many spells you get or a, a attribute added to it or something like that. Um, and like I said, also, it's the the there's a ton of ways to increase your MP, like, really, really quickly or increase an attribute and stuff like that. So, like, it doesn't bother me when you start out if you just have, like lower shitty magic you can always just be like i'm gonna be a magic boy but like you could also play people that are like i don't fuck with magic who gives a shit yeah you know that's very true so it could just be dependent you know i mean if that's the case and i wouldn't mind seeing maybe some more options for like what you can do physically um if like you're like oh it's open to you being like not do magic at all and you be the guy with the sword you know um, yeah i mean there's, I mean, the thing is, like, you swing a sword, you swing a sword, you know? I mean, it does use strength and dex for, for melee and range, but that's going to be in every game you ever play, because magic is always going to be, like, cooler than, like, hitting someone with a sword, but a, totally. hitting someone with a sword will, is almost always going to kill them faster. So it's like... I do, but I, I think it changes a little bit when everyone's a caster, you know? Yeah. Like, My question I mean, really... Good. Why do you need six at? Oh, I don't think you do. No, I think you can do four on this easy. I think you can yeah, combine you to, wisdom, four, charisma, really and intelligence all down into one, yeah. and all of this would go away. I mean, personally, I'm thinking of like a sword saint or sword caster, and I'd be like, yeah, yeah you can use strength to cast, you know, or, yeah. or whatever dexterity, um, as long as you're using your sword magic, you know? Yeah. I will say, I would. I don't think you need six, but if I was writing this game, I would absolutely have to have six in here. Really? Why? Because everything is sixes. And my brain would just be like, well, oh, six stats it is. Everything damn. is sixes. The entire game everything is built is around sixes. sixes. So six stats it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll just house rule stuff at my own table, you know? But yeah. I would give someone You're an house rule magic? Like, You're going to mess with a magic system? Yeah, I know. It's really crazy <laughs> to think that I, um, <laughs> I would make a magic system. I mean, I just think that, like, if I have a person who sits at my table and plays this game and they're like, hey, I want to be a sword saint. I want to be like psychically connected. Like my magic is the magic of the sword. You know, I'm mm -hmm. thinking like if anyone's read Kill Six Billion Demons, like that is a thing in there. And like the casting is just like the art of cutting. You can slice through anything, you know, or whatever. And then I you would. Can, you can do that yep. in this and there's already precedent for it. What do you mean? 
So like uh, consumables, we're gonna get to consumables, but like mm. it, or like if you have magic consumables, it talks about the effects that you can put onto weapons. So mm. like I would just use that as a context for a spell for my sword. You know what I mean? So if you're saying that you want to make your, let's say your your sword becomes like magically sharp, right? I'd be yeah. like, okay, you get a- extra damage while your usage die, while the risk die is still rolling the same way you would do it if you had like magic fire. They talk later and we'll get to it about where you pour fire over a blade and now you have a flame blade until the usage die goes away. I would just be like, fine, you're a sword mage. Your sword is extra sharp until that effect wears off or, yeah. you know, you're why extra would you fast, ever... you know? But if, if it's always dependent upon like wisdom, charisma, and intelligence, and you want to play a fighter, why would you ever upgrade strength or dex? Again, I just think, I think maybe I'm wrong and you can tell me if I'm wrong. I think the, your brain is thinking that the, the numbers are way bigger than they are. Cause the difference between one and three is so minimal. Yeah. That, like, well, I mean, on two six, if you have a plus three, you're, it's always a sex. It's huge. But like plus one is also not bad either. <clears throat> and once right. we get to like advancement, it's so easy realistically to it, to just be like, well, I felt like in that session, I need more intelligence. You get six, you get six, um, six experience points. Boom, you can just raise an attribute by one. It's so easy to raise attributes that it doesn't that bother me. True. If it was incredibly difficult to raise attributes, I would say it's not. But, like, realistically, if you fuck around a lot and really grind XP, you could have all of your stats at three in, like, less than ten sessions. Easy. That's, that is a very, that's a very fair point. So, okay, yeah. moving on to, uh, I, I like that point. That point does make me feel better about mine. Um, phone and brand. Cruise this pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, you have a phone with a decent si- uh, signal, an unreliable battery, a camera, and a flash uh, that can be used as a flashlight. You have a phone. It works like a phone. Um, yeah. Your brand is interesting. So you like post and live stream you fucking with the immortal aristocracy. Um, and like you build like an online following. Um, more more or less. Uh, there are some special actions that you can take with your phone. Um, and when you start, your brand begins at zero. Uh, a battery. Uh, hey, anytime you... So your battery starts at... Uh, I almost said UD8, but risk 8. Um, and it shrinks on a roll of one or two. Recharging your phone for an hour restores uh, one level to a maximum of eight. So it never gets higher than eight. Um Make sure it's plugged into the wall, too. Uh, um, do a phone. Uh, anytime you use your phone, you're going to roll You're gonna roll the battery, um, essentially. Uh, yeah, you can chat with your phone. You can send short messages. Uh, if you have someone's username, uh, they can block you if they're pissed. Uh, very funny, like, uh, like, depth of narrative thing here. It's like, yeah, you have friends online. If you piss them off, like, they might not help you anymore. Um, uh, you can treat this like any other conversation, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, you only need to roll when trying to do something that might fail, like intimidate somebody over text, um, which I love this because this happens in the real world. Um, yeah. Yeah, and particularly nuanced discussions over chat may result in rolling uh, disadvantage because we all know that if you try to text something nuanced, sometimes it can be totally misread. Yep. Um, 
yeah. Um, uh, capturing the moment, yeah, you roll battery uh, to take a photo or capture a short video with your camera. Um, to post, you're going to roll uh, plus charisma uh, to upload something new from your phone. This is a special um, action. Uh, on a one to six, you're going to choose one of the following outcomes. On seven to nine, you choose two. Uh, on a uh, 10, 11, choose three. And on a 12, you choose five. Um, there all are five. five. Yeah, it's all of them, uh, which all is interesting because um, – hold on. Uh, never mind. Ignore what I'm about to say. But yeah, so of those, it's your brand increases by one. The immortal aristocracy can't figure out your current location. The immortal aristocracy can't make you look like the bad guy in the news. Uh, you gain a notable follower of your choosing. Uh, you get a like from your crush. Yeah. Um, th this is good. Uh, I like this a lot, actually. Um, yeah, it's interesting but... because we get to a part later where, I, again, I think that they, um, I think they just like missed the the verbiage change that they use. Like special actions are are almost all PBTA moves. Like the live yes. stream is just an attribute roll, but call to action is one um and the the post is one um maybe it's just those two um Did we skip call to action oh we haven't gotten call to action yet but the when they explain how to make moves later this makes more sense in retrospect because it specifically tells you like when you're making one do like two that means something bad doesn't happen to you do one like random one and do two things that like make you learn shit and i'm like oh now this totally makes sense like you get a like from your crush you're supposed to be that it's like one random one tossed in for fun you right. know so it, it's it's interesting but you're always supposed to have ones that like bad shit doesn't happen to you so this one specifically says the immortal aristocracy can't find you and um they can't make you look bad so like they really did stick to like that idea of like make two that don't happen to you and with like as the two most important kind of ones in it because if you only get one that means something bad oh, it could almost definitely happen to you and it even tells you what what it could be yeah yeah very cool yeah, imagine just turning on the news and the moral aristocracy is like, you know, criminals. Um, yeah. yeah, you can live stream. If something exciting is happening, uh, you roll battery at disadvantage, which makes sense because you're using a lot of it. Um, and you post with advantage. So, you know, uh, call to action is exactly what it sounds like. You're going to roll plus brand. Um, yeah, and once again, choose one, choose two, choose three, or choose five. Um, if you have a notable follower who's uniquely positioned to help, roll with advantage. Your brand decreases by one after you roll. So brand is kind of like your it's a stat that you spend. Um yes. special stat. Um But what's yeah. weird with what's interesting about brand is what at least in everything that I've read, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, the only way to increase your brand is to post. Right. And the only thing you spend your brand on is calls to action. Right. So it's very Or at least that's contained. also what I got from all this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't so mind you, if there was more to that. You know what I mean? I think it could be expanded on as well. I agree. But I do like that there's a feedback loop to it, and it feeds into yeah. itself, and it's almost self-contained. You know? Like, yeah. you don't really need to worry about brand for all, everything else. Like, it's just within posting and calling to action. Um, yeah. I wouldn't mind, though, like, on the call to action, like, you spend – because it says you decrease your brand by one after the roll – I wouldn't mind when I was reading this. I was expecting one of them to be like, you don't have to decrease your brand by one. Like, I wouldn't mind if there was a way to, like, 
maintain your your brand if your call to action was like super successful because like you could roll a 12 plus three modifier for a 15 you lose a brand no matter what even though you like made a call to action that was so insane that like you know but like the other thing too is if you get a 12 plus you lose you, a notable you follower lose a no notable matter what follower. yeah no matter yeah. what and that that's was that's, interesting that's kind of the one i was questioning i was like why would I lose a notable follower on a call to action plus? Yeah. Well, because people don't want you to succeed. Um, yeah, I guess I... That that's like, that makes sense. Right. Like as a, on like a meta narrative of like posting online, whenever you do anything big, like someone's not going to like it. Um, yeah. So like none of the other ones, the other ones are all like, it stops a bad thing from happening to you. There's right. no, I guess like you lose a notable follower, like, but if you look at the previous one, it says they can't figure out your current location. Like it would be like you, you could be like you don't lose uh, a notable follower. But like honestly, you, I would either do that. You don't lose a notable follower, which means one of the one of the bad things could be that you did lose one. Or mm -hmm. like I said, I would replace that for you don't lose. You don't have to spend a brand. Like you were so successful, or like whatever. Like yeah, you you get to keep your your resource. Um, yeah. So but, to go through the list, it's you gain useful insight into your situation. You gain uh, useless but fascinating trivia about your situation, which is a, I think is a good one. Um, you gain 1d6 coin and donations. Uh, someone in the immortal aristocracy ends up looking like a real asshole. And then there's the lose a noticeable follower. I like these. Uh, I don't like to lose a noble follower. And I genuinely actually really like you gain useless but fascinating trivia about your situation. Oh, yeah. I think that you keep that shit. That's good. <laughs> well, there's there's always that one weird flavorful one, like the get a get a like from your crush or like the, yeah. the weird yes. trivia. Like I love that. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh spending coin, spend coin. Uh, you know, the immoral aristocracy is everywhere, they run everything. Um yeah, the goods and services are available uh, in the marketplace as long as you have the coin to spend them. You don't gain XP by spending coin this way. Um, roll battery and spend coin to order food or supplies, hire a ride or adventure, or other valuable services through your phone. Um, risk 10 and risk 12 goods and services are restricted to members of the aristocracy only and are therefore unavailable. Um, I do like that this is a, you have a phone and it's super modern. Like you order food, you can hire help online. Uh, you can get like Fiverr or whatever, you know, um, or other services. I'm like, ah, that's good. I'm glad that yeah. like I don't, I like that there are phones and I like that it's not half-assed. There are phones and it's a commitment to like, there are phones. Like, you know what you do with your phone. You ordered DoorDash last night. Um, which means that I get to make a weird modern fantasy equivalent of like Uber and DoorDash and all that yeah. shit. And I find that that uh, that tickles me, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I, I do like the part that says most hirelings will help you form illegal acts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do feel, though, that like, again, like I, I feel like the whole thing needs a little bit of a reshuffle. And I'm not sure. But like, I feel like combat health wounds and death. To me... I wouldn't mind if like magic and phone and brand were above that. You know what I mean? Like this is what I'm talking yeah. about where we got to, we finally got to the phone 94 pages in. Um, and to me, suddenly like technology took a, like 
a huge leap forward in my mind in like the canon that my head was coming from, like the way the mm-hmm. game was written. Like I might mention a little bit of technology, the gun sword and shit like that, whatever. But like, like you just said, we literally have, yeah, we literally have smartphones and, and gig economy. Like 94 pages in my brain went, wait a second. I need to reevaluate so much of what I thought about the setting already. So I wouldn't mind if either some little intro about the phone or the phone being earlier, um was like just totally you know i once again think that when they do their second edition of this if they i assume they're going to get an artist to do art like putting art through this that shows a little more of a technological i think that'll add a lot because a lot of the art is like the hg wells like yeah stuff it's cool as hell um but i think it kind of maybe leads your mind in the wrong direction yes if there was like an early spread of like what i'm thinking of but someone rocking a fucking cell phone. Yeah. Um, my brain would be like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I still want like dirigible airships and domes. Yeah, that's what cities, I'm, you know, that's what I'm saying. I literally, if it was literally like the airship or whatever, maybe like a carriage going by and someone playing a, like texting on their phone, I'd be like, yeah. oh, I totally get this. Like yes. this world to me, and tell me if this isn't what you think. I really feel a um var and electrum archive with cell phones is what what i get from this i think somewhere around there yeah um yeah i would put it I'm in the same like i mean it might it would be a farther bubble but that's yeah. where my brain goes like vibe wise i like it i don't know why but like reading through this i cannot help but see paradigm city in my brain no, like i mean yeah yeah you know it, it's yeah i just I see what you're saying, but I just see so I just see I just see something a little different. But isn't that cool though? Because technically, like both those can be perfectly correct oh, based on oh, like 100. Like and 100%. the and the theme of the immortal aristocracy and everything else going on can fit easily into both of those things. Like it really is Absolutely. up to you and your table's interpretation. Um, well, that's what that's what you said. Like 78 percent of the world is this implied canon, but yeah. the 20 percent really changes the vibe of all of it depending on what you want to do with it. So yeah, so good. Um, gotta do the most important. Gotta do the most important uh, rule about phones. Uh, no one does call someone. No one does this anymore. It's it's great. Um, might be the best like seven lines, seven words in the whole thing. I once again saying this again. I just said I'm really excited for another edition of this, but I really hope that they keep shit like that. Oh, they fuck. I mean. It's this is fun to read through. It's funny. You laugh as you're reading through it. It's good. But yeah, yeah. call someone. No one does that. No one calls yeah. anybody. Um, I mean, even just a reshuffle and and uh, uh, tightening up, but like hacking off like all the unnecessary, like, you know, especially some of the early stuff um, would tighten this whole game up better. Yeah. And just like and just a little bit of clarification. I mean, this is like we said already really fucking good and and could be great um so next is inventory uh inventory we discuss in which we discuss your stuff and how to use it so carrying capacity we talked about already um it's it's you know the 10 plus strength plus con you can carry a bunch of stuff everything um takes one slot uh you can hold a hundred coins in one slot as soon as you hit 101 it goes to the second slot um i like what it says down here um magic ring locked pick suit of armor it's all different sizes and weights but we are on the side of simplicity for inventory management the reason we bother is that it's simple the less useful stuff you take into a dungeon the more stacks of coins you can carry out um again 
we err on the side of just being like, fuck it, except for when you sleep in armor. Like, it just, again, it, it yeah. Anyway, equipment is made to last. So we've talked about this before. Your equipment die are not risk die, usage die, whatever. They're not risk die. They are actual die. They don't degrade. They're meant to last, et cetera, et cetera. Protective armor, tools, shields, weapon, grimoires, important stuff like that. Things that are not um, risk die, you have a regular die, and there's different rules associated with it. Um, equipment has a die, um, denotes a quality. You can see table. It's not table one. Um, it's like table three, I think. I think that's a miss, a miss right there. Because table one is the GM, like what's the G, what's the M table? Oh, um, uh, right. Weapons deal damage to equal uh, equal to the die associated with them. Makes sense. If it's a D6, it's D6. Um, protection absorbs, we already talked about that, half your highest number. You may end with a bunch of weapons and armor. Cool, have fun with that. Um, uh, when... Uh... Equipment die sizes. When using inventory for something other than harming others or preventing yourself, the associated die is useful as an indicator for quality. We've talked about this already. Again, it's to table three. You can use the same quality for your equipment as you do for the risk die, like levels that we talked about, you know, whether something's really good or something's like really bad or whatever. It is what it is. Consumables. Um, these are food, drink, medicine, batteries, things that when they're gone, they're gone. You're not repairing, they're gone. Um, using a consumable... Um, uh, consumables have a name and associated risk die. Uh, the use of these consumable is not prescriptive. So this is, again, something that's very abstracted, and I really love the example. A ball of fire oil, for instance, could be poured on a weapon or ammunition um, or rubbed on armor, all sorts of stuff. So, for example, if you pour it on a blade, you now have a flame blade, and you roll the risk die every time, until the, and it lasts until the risk die disappears. If you rub it on your armor, you now have heat resistance until the usage, until the risk die disappears. Super smart, super clever, love it, very broad, very abstract, like the way the magic system works. Good fucking job. Uh, that's how everything should work. Um, coin and treasure. Coin is the official currency. Basically, coin is what you want, only rich people have coin, and it's good to have coin, but not good to keep coin, is what the game basically tells you. Again, you can hold 100, but um, most things are done by bartering. I love the barter system. Basically, you take the wrist die, you take the wrist die. If it's equal, you just fucking pass it off. But if it's one up, it takes two of the one below it. So D6, D6, you can just trade. But to get a D8, you need two D6s. To get a D10, you need two D8s. I think it's really clever. I love the way that it just expands exponentially. Mm -hmm. It's great. Selling treasure for coin. It's haggle. also a good bartering rule because you only really need to read the ones. After that, you're like, this is not a complicated bartering rule. Like, I now completely understand. Yeah. So I don't have to reference this because it's, yeah, two to one. Super easy. Yeah. And again, explained mm -hmm. super easily. Um edit down to the the bare minimum and add if you need to so selling treasure for coin um exactly like it sounds you could sell treasure for a coin when attempting to sell treasure to someone with a coin to buy it roll this die and multiply the result by 100 to discover what you were able to get for it um selling other items for coin is a mechanic hoarding coin it's bad for you don't do it it's most dangerous stuff in the universe coin is having too much uh puts a target on your back um, and make gives you weird ideas on who should be in charge around here and holding on for too long. 
I forgot about that line. That's very good. It's such a good fucking line. It's such a good fucking line. Holding on to coin for too long invites attention to debt collectors and other forms of trouble. Such a good fucking line. So many, uh, so many fucking it, lines in this. There are a lot of good. There's some great one-liners in there, but that's such a that's such a pointed, <laughs> that's such a pointed modern take. It's yeah. like, yeah, it gives you weird ideas about who should be in charge when you're rich. <laughs> yeah. Um, experience and advancement. So we'll cruise this pretty quick. Experience and advancement. Experience points. I love the way I love this style of experience gaining. Mm -hmm. It's not like kill enemy. Like anyone that tells you five E is not a combat game needs to explain to me why every thing you can kill gives you xp yeah sounds like the combat. game the game is how you write it um so experience points i love this style where like uh at the end of a set okay stop yelling i wrote that right there let me look at it real quick stop yelling. yeah i have um on mine and i've said um so yeah. many times today so whatever you know i have um and stop yelling so i'm gonna try to stop yelling for you guys so um Can't read it. yeah so you gain experience point for the following. So at the end of a session, you calculate experience points. Death in Space does this. Dragonbane does something similar-ish. I really love this style. So you gain one experience point for each sack of 100 coin you blow on your goal between adventures. That, again, the rules are the game, right? Like, right. And people can whack semantic about that shit all fucking day, and I do not care. <laughs> What I mean by that is the way that you write the game will affect both consciously and subconsciously the way players play the game. As I just said, you can't tell me a, a game isn't a combat game when the best way to gain XP is to kill shit. Like, that, it's a combat game. Like, yeah. you are teaching a player to kill shit. In this game, you gain one experience for blowing 100 coin. It's telling you, blow your fucking money. And I love that because that, to me, is the game, is get money, blow money, go do it the fuck again. I really enjoy it. Uh, you gain one experience point for embodying your character's general deal. Uh, two, if you do it multiple times, you get one experience for playing off another character's general deal. Two, if you do it multiple times, and you gain one experience for thwarting, embarrassing, harassing, or robbing, uh, basically fucking with the immortal aristocracy. And you get two points if it's unquestionably you that are directly responsible. I love that um advancement so this is what we're talking about before it's super easy to advance realistically so yeah you may spend six experience points again any of the following advancements there's one two three four five six there's like seven or eight improve an attribute to a max of three gain an additional hit die grow all of your hit die by one size grow your martial training die uh grow your magic die acquire a new magic domain or invent a move that's the first time they mentioned move it's lowercase m but nowhere else does it say that the special actions are moves. So there's a miss. There's like a a, a miss in the vernacular here. Like, mm. if it, is it a special action like all the rest of the things that have that style, which there's only two, and they're both special actions, or is it a move? And if it's a move, I feel like the 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 concept of like when the move, what a move, and all the stuff needs to explain a little better. I think get rid of the word move because I fucking hate it. I'm um, getting rid of the word move is a move though. So. Um, <laughs> I would just um, bring it back. Everything's a move. I uh, hate it. So uh, yeah, we're doing the podcast move right now. You know, right? Yeah. Um, and then being uh, hating moves is a move. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my favorite move. So uh, how advancement affects HP and MP as you improve your attributes and your hit die and your MP and everything also increases. Um, I love that. I love that. Like as you get better, your derived shit gets better. 
You know what I mean? It makes sense. So when you gain additional hit die, roll it and add your con and wisdom. Add this total to your current maximum HP. Interesting. That means your HP is going to shoot up pretty quickly sometimes. I didn't expect the amount of HP that it sounds like you could get from this game. Yeah. I'm curious what average. Yeah, because it's not like you don't have levels. You right. just have the numbers. So like what when you're like four sessions in, how much HP do you have? You know what I mean? Mm. And again, in this game, it's not like it's an abstracted number that just whittled away. So you really could get to a point where you just have. Well, no, I guess not really, because eventually you max out on con and stuff like that. And you really just can't take more, I guess. Um, when your hit die improves, replace all your current hit dice with the dice the next size up. For each die you improve this way, add one to your maximum HP. So that's another way to gain HP. So if you already have four D6s, you can make them all D8s. And then now you have four HP, one for each, D, one for each die. Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. um, when your con improves, add one to your maximum HP for each hit die you already have, regardless of size. So increase your con by one. Boom, if you have four, that's another four right there for you. Um, when your wisdom improves, add one to your maximum HP for each die you have and add one to your maximum MP. So wisdom is really important for HP and MP. Interesting. Um, I feel like there's so many ways to gain HP. I don't know why. I, I feel like there's like, a lot of gaining HP. Um, yeah. But again, I was like, my brain went, why would wisdom give you HP? It's it's an abstract of your overall yeah. men, like mental and physical health. What were you I, saying? I like don't outright have an issue with this, but I would be interested to see it in practice and see what HP gets up to for like a yeah. regular person. Um, last one, when your cha improves, add one to your maximum MP. So lots of ways to get HP, a couple ways to get MP. Um, yeah. So inventing moves. Um, again, weird that suddenly we're talking about moves um, in this game. Not special actions. Sp is it special actions? Is it moves? Like what? Like there's a, there's a lack of uh, explanation of if there's a difference, why there's a difference. Um I would personally just get rid of the the word moves entirely. Again, mm -hmm. I hate it, but I don't think it I think it gives a bad connotation because so many of the direct descendants of PBTA ev literally everything was moved down to the basic moves. And in this game, the basic moves aren't like the basic thing that you do, like your attribute checks aren't right. moves, they're attribute no, checks. They're, yeah. It, it, it's only the special stuff that is moves. So I would get rid of the word moves because also special people, actions is just better. Like it's just a better thing to call it. Like yeah. yeah. It, actions in general. Like my game that I'm doing is a it's a 2D6 game and it's like it's the GM gets an action. You do a GM action, not a GM move. Because yeah. action sounds better I, than a move. Kind of like not the word moves. But I like the idea of inventing a special action for your character that gets so specialized at a thing. Like, and you just you guys come up with a list of five consequences. They lay out what they should be. Um, I think that that's cool. Um, I think it's way cooler than like the bog standard PBTA. Like, here are all your assigned everything. You know. Again, I love when quote unquote moves are used as spells, powers, important big things. Yes where the laid out consequences <laughs> affect the direct situation you're involved in. I don't like the 
triggering like the basic moves quote unquote from apocalypse world are the things that i hate i'm like just give me an attribute check and let me just like make up what i want to do when you totally. box me into three fucking little scaffolds i'm like why am i even playing the fucking game i can just read this book you know what i mean like it really irritates me but yes i love inventing moves with the character so talking about this it says there's a template um so you can invent a move using the same template as posting from your phone which is a special action. So just get rid of the word moves and use special actions. Give the move a name, declare the attribute, the limiting condition, the whole one to six, et cetera, five, five, blah, blah, blahs, everything. So there's some example moves here that I really like. I really like, uh, I really like some of them. So the um, fight dirty, roll plus decks on an opponent with an obvious weak point, groin, eyes, etc. So they got a groin, you got it. To which you have access. You can access that groin. Here you go. So one to six choose one seven to nine two etc etc so the five are you don't expose yourself to a counterattack. nobody else sees your dirty trick attacks against this opponent gain advantage until they take a moment to recover you embarrass them you deal one d6 damage so the only thing different about this is in the template it really says um uh where does it talk about that there's a specific it's bottom of the first paragraph you're talking about the five possible consequences yeah two that prevent a consequence for you right a few good outcomes and a few that are fun so the only thing with the fight dirty is you don't expose yourself to a counterattack. is the only one that's like stopping something from getting to you right nobody else sees What's your dirty up? trick is another one. Oh, see i saw that one as oh yeah i mean i saw that one more as like a fun one but you're right that is the bad one you um, embarrass them i think is the fun one yeah yeah um, cook a dish is fine. It's about cooking and then shield bash roll plus con an opponent when you're wielding a shield and you can conceivably bonk your foe on the head. It literally says bonk your foe on the head. I love this fucking game. Um, <laughs> so you don't break your shield. You don't expose yourself to a counterattack. deal damage equal to your shield's equipment die. Your opponent is dazed by your blow and has disadvantage on the next roll or your opponent is distracted. If an ally attacks soon, they have advantage on their roll. I love this. It's such a good broken down of like the, the template that they use. It's really well done. Also, again, the thing I do like about this is how the two that are like stopping something bad from happening to you gives you kind of the way that the PBA does those things that the GM can just do without having to break everything down into a GM move and giving you a fucking GM playbook that you can only do these things or whatever. Like this says, like you don't break your shield. So if you fail miserably, you can just go, oh, well, how about we just break your shield? You know, it's it's right there for you. It's right but there. But as a special action, I really love that. All right, talk to me about NPCs and NPCs. aristocracy and we'll be done at three hours. Jeez. We were like, um, we're going to cruise this one so fast and we're two and a half hours in with two chapters left. Oh, there's a lot of really good stuff. Uh, you know, we don't have to deep dive NPCs. They they are like their die size, hit die size, like NPCs, right? So D4 is a terrible NPC. D12 is a glorious warrior creature of legend. You just basically determine like, you know, the size and quantity of dice, their gear. If they're magically inclined, give them a domain. If they're legendary, give them an immunity um, and means for a PC to learn it. Um uh where was i i'm lost uh how tough they are uh it's turned by how many dice you'll be using uh tiny wimps get one uh huge monsters get five uh another great there's some great tables here that just kind of lay out like what these things look like um gear uh npcs get a piece of gear uh piece of equipment for each die in their hit pool um <laughs> Uh, magical NPCs, members of the Moral Aristocracy, or other thaumaturgical inclined foes, 
get access to magic. You give them an appropriate strange domain. Um, their magic die will be equal to the uh, quality of their hit die, essentially. So how good their hit die is. Um, it, otherwise, magic works pretty much how it does for the um, players. Um, legendary NPCs. Uh, this game operates under the assumption that uh, suffering a grievous wound or watching a friend cut down in battle uh, can make the best trained soldier panic retreat. Um, you may, however, wish to introduce a serious threat to your world, a force of nature, literally, literally or metaphorically, um, as written, even if they are huge and glorious with five D12 hit dice, which is a crazy amount, there's a chance that this NPC will panic and flee. Um, basically, this is just like you get a less likely to flee and more legendarily actioned NPC Um I mean, it, and it says don't be coy with like they're immune they're immune to things yeah. they're 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 the big tough demigod yeah. it basically yeah. says like you can just not even fuck with the dice just yeah. give it just make them like literally you can't kill them until you have this one special thing yeah and then let them kill them like yeah. sprig of um mistletoe yeah. or whatever you know yeah uh, some but... examples uh npcs the dragon punch retainers here um i like this it? because it, it all fits in again really well. So Dragon Punch Retainer, HD 3D6. So you know that they get three items that are D6s. And mm -hmm. that's just so clever, again, and clean. Like, the, the next one is, like, the 48. So they have four items that are D8s. Like, again, super clever, super clean. Really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, it, it follows the same through line of logic as everything else does, um, where it's just, like, so straightforward and so apparent that you can immediately understand it. Um, and then, like, yeah, I think the last one was the Palladium, the Assassin, which is, like, the one with the vulnerability, which is, like, tear off their mask, to expose their eyes. Um, yeah. Um, uh, NPCs in combat pretty much talks about, like, uh, morale, um, tracking HP. Uh, good, good to look through as the uh, GM, but I don't think we need to deep dive it. There is a morale table that you roll on. Um. Yeah, there's some examples of combat, uh, targeting hit die. I think this section is like a good section, and there's a lot of a lot of examples of combat. There's a long example of combat. Yeah, um, yeah. the example of combat's really great. Definitely it read really that. Great. My favorite part, real quick, because we're not going to read it, is the black hole stretches. <laughs> Thomas Bahamas declares that Hurricane Jim will beat up anyone for him. Um, but he fails, and one of the bad guys says, Hurricane Jim's a big, dumb baby, and anyone who hangs out with him is a big, dumb baby, too. Yeah, great. Love this fucking game. Uh, and, and, and it goes for, like, three more pages. But it's great. It's yeah, really great. It hits all the things you want. It hits morale. It hits the, the, the like a bad consequence of a special action. It hits fucking everything. It's great. It's really good. Yeah. We're not going to read it, but it's also yeah. just very funny. Uh, the immortal yeah. aristocracy. All right. Break this down. Listen, the immortal aristocracy exists and they're basically represented by, I think um, the minor arcana represents the structure. Um, each tier of the immortal aristocracy below describes uh, how they can be generally uh, used in play and what size of dice to employ uh, for hit dice employees, uh, guards, quality of their gear, and generally, like, what tier they operate at. Um, enslaved gods. So we touched on this earlier. That's right. The 
every house, every house of the immortal aristocracy commands the divine right of the kings. The right is not freely given, but must be taken. Yeah, these houses are built on enslaved gods. These, uh, the gods are represented by the ace of each suit. And so it's wands, cups, swords, and pentacles. Um, the god, the existence of gods is well-hidden conspiracy. Uh, there is no indirect means to learn the location of an enslaved god. Very few can even confirm their existence. The king, and only the king, of a noble house knows where they are housed, their mean, um, and, or how they can be killed. Um, yeah, uh, dealing with enslaved gods should be used, should use uh, D10s and D12s. Um, and then it breaks down uh, wands, cups, swords, and pinnacle aces, what that god is a god of, um, and what the house enslaving them um, is likely to be like concerned and involved with. Uh, there is petty nobility, so those are like the two through five, the numbered cards of the minor arcana. They represent uh, knights, minor courts, uh, and some maybe common people that are valuable to the power structure. Um, there's typically feuding. There's like a political intrigue, intrigue to this, but it's cool because you can have a tarot card deck and you can map out like a like aristocratic house and then move on to another one. You know, like who is in those places. Um, I think it's a good organization tool. Um, peerage, so six through ten, um, represent uh, like lesser barons, marquees, uh, high level merchants, warlords, um, people who who are not low level but kind of have, like climbed their way up or pulled their way up. Um, for peerages are frequently seen as a necessary evil by the common folk. They are able to use their public facing enterprises to hide whatever shadowy dealings uh, secured their position. Uh, which I think is really interesting and, and rife with the ability to, like, you know, build the background lore for your world. Um, court, page, knight, and queen card represent the, the highest level of power in the house. Uh, the three will be tied to each other through family, uh, membership on a board of directors, or criminal ties. Under normal circumstances, they trust each other completely, uh, but situations could be con uh, contrived to, like, kind of disrupts that trust. Um, and then the king um, is the head of the household, uh, represents the hand that holds the leash to which uh, their enslaved god is bound. Through them flows all true power. They're like the, the true demigod leader of the their immortal aristocracy uh, house. Um, the king alone will know how to kill the gods and grant the aristocracy uh, their immortality, uh, they will protect this knowledge with every fiber of their being. Dealing with the king should use D10, occasionally D12s, to keep things exciting. That's it. That's the game. That's it. Hashtag build your brand. All right. Easy, easy 90 minute episode. Yeah. Quick, quick, quick 90 minute. Hamantic uh, Low Lives. We're going to write this as a book because it's 123 pages. Um, so, uh,. As always, five metrics worth 10 each to a max of 50. Art and layout uh, is all the visuals in the game. Usability is how well uh, it is used. The rule set is uh, if we like it, yeah, originality is exactly that. That's what that word is. You know what it means. And value is bang for your buck on what you get. Uh, so art and layout, I think is a pretty quick, easy one. Um, thoughts? I'm going to give this... A five. Yep. I think uh, I that don't have... it's. I don't. Yeah, it's not awful. It's not great, but I mean, 
you know, yeah. I would, I would, <clears throat> I would almost be tempted to go lower. Um, I think the numbered chapters add enough for me to be like, it's a five. It's, e it's easy enough. Well, my question is, what would a three, three have to look layout. like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what would a three <laughs> have to look like? What would a what would a one in art and layout look like? Ooh, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Like five is literally halfway to a ten. Yeah, how many? There's like six pieces. There's like twelve pieces of art. It's public domain, colored pieces at the beginning of the chapters, and that's it. Hmm, what are you thinking? I mean, the thing about a five is like, it's it's fine. It's good. Like, I don't have really anything good to say. I don't really have anything bad to say. I just think like there's just, I mean, and this is a product of the thing. There just isn't any. There's just, it's chapter yeah. header, full page art that was colored. You know what I mean? Like, so what do you think of art in layout? I was thinking, like, it's a four or five for me. Like, I'm not going to go I'm, that I'm, low. I'm between those two. So I'll let you make the call. Ah, fuck it. I like it. I like, we'll go five. Um, usability. Uh, I mean, it's a Troika layout, which is my favorite layout. It's the only layout that's, it's, or the only, yeah, that's ever gotten a 10. Um, this is not that. This is not um, that. But I, the number chapters are great. Um, great. There are bookmarks as well. Um, Here's the thing, though. In, in, if, if they were to vibe this thing out with a bunch of art, do you still think the number chapters is the way to go? Yeah, I mean, Troika has more art and numbered chapters. Yeah, trick is trick is trick is troika though. You know what I mean? Um, all things exist. No thing, no one thing exists in a vacuum. Um, I just mean I like you couldn't, you wouldn't want the the one point two, one point three in like Merkborg. It would ruin the yeah, book. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be Merkborg. I'm just saying like there. I know, I'm just saying. I'm like just curious. You could increase the amount of art in this without decreasing the usability of it. I mean, I yeah, think that yeah. like the usability is going to take a hit. For me here because first off there's a lot of parts where there's just too many words um oh don't even and there's like an issue with the way things are ordered and also yep. there is an issue with the fact that there are parts especially in combat where it's like go here go there go here go there yep. um but there's no inline hyperlink to very quick make that navigability really quick you know even though, I mean, I will say, though, that, like, because of the way the layout is, it's always going to make it easier because you can just scroll to the top and click the one you want. But Agreed. if it but. says in the same page, click this, click this, cl or go here, go here, go here, I would like to just be able to click here, here, here. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, I would like to just not have to click. Just give me that there. Yeah. I would say this is still pretty usable. Um, I mean, it's more usable than most things. I mean, even, yeah. even just the... the like I can literally just be like, well, I know combat's five, right? And I yeah. can just tell you it's in five point two, and you can be like, oh, that's super. I can fucking click right to it. Totally. That's super easy. So, what do you think yeah. of reusability? I mean, so it's not a ten. Take that right off the board, right? It's not a nine because when you compare that to, let's say, like Death in Space, there's no colored pages, there's no different color chapter headers. Um, yeah, there's none of that stuff. So, right. I think. In the context of what it is, the highest I could possibly imagine for this game is a seven. I was thinking a seven. Okay. I think it is an insane. I think this is the correct way. And I was just like spitballing earlier about like, do you think adding art would change? I don't think it would. I think that keeping this format for this game is really mm -hmm. smart. Um, Absolutely. But uh, as you said, lots of words need to go away. Chapters need to be reordered. 
inline hyperlinks like you know a lot of yeah it's going in the right direction a lot better than a lot of books um, so rule set i fucking dig it i dig this game man i think this game is fucking great um i what am i major i think the the one the one thing that now is in my mind is your thing about the donning and doffing armor to sleep it's just because there's is nothing else in the game that that's though it's so particular but for no reason there's so much like open format narrative you create this character and by the time you're done it's just so fleshed out and it not only fleshes out the character it fleshes out what's in the world and it makes the gm's job a little bit easier because they don't have to guess a lot of questions there's this like use of tarot cards that's not at all overused and doesn't feel super contrived and annoying and you can use that to organize your immortal aristocracy as the gm building world um it's 2d6 uh, which you know Ryan loves. Um, there okay. are moves, but they're special actions, and they're treated as an individual thing, which I think is where, like, that's how you make moves thrive. That's how, that um, is exactly that's how, how they should stars. be done. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty high on this one for 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 rules, honestly. So yeah, where are you? Where are you at? You might need to temper I'm me not... because I really like this. What did you say? I said you might need a temper me because I really like this. I thought you said you're. I might get a ten from you, and I'm like, bro, we are way off. <laughs> oh no, I'm um, not done. No. Um. Here's the thing. I love it. Um. I love. I love what is there, and I will think that this is one of the best games we've ever reviewed. I think when we get to two E, if the potential is met, it's not right. there. There are some. I think not only is there a, a couple of like um. Little rules that I would chop out, specifically the armor one. I think there's some word choices throughout the entire way the rules are written, which is part of the rule set, that I would completely change. Please stop calling it wrist die. Just use Zeus's die. It makes much more sense. Get yeah. rid of position and effect. There's no reason to have the Blades of the Dark language in here when you don't really use it the same way. I mean, a lot of that early, like, basically chapters like, like chapter two, you can basically just delete. Um, and then Well, not delete, rules. but you can cut a lot of stuff out of it. You could explain how dice work in one line. Um, yeah. D66 doesn't take a paragraph. Um, I I think combat needs to be completely rewritten. Um, mm. I think... Um, outside of that, yeah, magic is insane. Consumable is insane. I love the inventory system. The core system of using usage die and extrapolating yeah. that across all subsystems. So good so well yeah. written everything like that i i, I think that like 80 percent of this game is insanely good and 20 percent of it is just this bog bogging the rest of it down and could just be scraped off the top like fucking so, foam on a beer so an eight an eight yep that's where i'm at so yep. that's fine with me this honestly i'm not even kidding this game for me if it if 2e hits potential it could could be our second 10 yeah oh yeah totally i i think this game is like it's so unbelievably clever <laughs> like yeah it's it's if, very good if they drop a bunch of money in some really good art make it a hardback and again like really tighten up a, a ton of language rewrite some stuff and reshuffle this like this could end up being if it comes out this year could end up being one like our game of the year like yeah that's I, how I super, insanely I'm, low i am at this rule set yeah it's i completely agree um, but I, I, when I tighten the language, I don't want them to lose the humor. Um, I don't think because, it, I don't think they're possible. We read Nine Lives yeah. Valhalla. Like they, that's, that's very that's true. Them. That but is who like, they yeah. are. 
I the don't think it's going to go away. Is, is if so, anything, it should go deeper. Yeah. It's interesting to read something like this because I can't remember what I was reading recently that tried to have a sense of humor, but it felt really contrived. And this just feels so natural. It's so fucking natural. Like, there was never a time where they dropped the joke where I felt like, didn't really need that there. Yeah. Like, every time I was just like, oh my God, another fucking banger. And then they'll randomly hit you with, like, like the opening setting paragraph that where yeah. the prose is just <clears throat> fucking fire. But again, you'll have like the, the doll head that pops up out of nowhere immediately followed by yeah the, the goblet of, of night, but of you lived. Night. I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God. Like the humor yeah. mixed with like the insanely well written thought out, like depth of it, like sandwiched together. It so it works so well. Originality. Yeah, I think, I think we're already um, talking about originality. I mean, I think it's that so, everything we just it's said. Like, it's such a great use of so many different things together, like this weird anachronistic magic magic world that's modern and like ruled by this aristocracy that enslaves gods that are all represented by tarot cards. Like, dude. <laughs> but it works. And you know what? One of the reasons I think it works is because of the language they used to write it. Yeah. If this didn't have a bunch of jokes in it, didn't have like like a bunch of werewolves or like that kind of shit in it, yeah, I, I think don't it was think like it would fly. Lost. Yeah, like I don't think it would fly because I think the jokes really make the anachronistic elements actually really feel more cohesive because you understand that like you're not taking the shit seriously. Like this yeah. isn't, you know what I mean? So the language used feeds into the ability to keep it goofy um so i'm pretty high on this score dude, um yeah yeah i'm at like a nine so i'm at a nine easy i'm at a nine six. easy for this yeah. uh wait oh i did not hide it value what is it like 10 bucks for it's a PDF? 10 bucks and, and then and it's 123 pages with that's rife with stuff to build on and then you have the neighborhoods of oh God. Uh, high to see a high is it I, I oh don't Asidia? even my brain is not gonna remember uh, that but there's a high there's magic a, low live city so it's it's a bunch it's a 11. bunch of supplements 11 11 11 with the 12th one supposed to be coming out soon and the cool thing is i i was not i didn't i had not signed up for the newsletter and i would have done it forever ago if i would have realized there was a newsletter you would get them free if you had signed up for the newsletter, like every month you'd have been like every, if you signed up now, you'll get the 11th one and then you'll get the 12th one free. If you'd have signed up on the first one, you would have got all of them for free. And they're only like, what, like three bucks. They're $3. It's like a neighborhood. They have some stuff to do, some missions. It's like some NPCs. They look really cool. Um, so also, right I, now, I, 11 but, of them for 33 bucks. And those are full adventures. Basically. Oh my God, that's so crazy. I mean, like if we looked at like a regular, like, 200 page book and there's 40 bucks we'd be like that's a good price for that and this is 10 bucks plus uh, 33 for it is only pdf i know i'm just saying um yes. yeah i think value for this one is still not off the chart but still fairly high you know i'd yeah. say it's, it's a good seven you know yeah it's a good well because also did we say like the character keepers and like all that kind of stuff too like you still get like more like more stuff oh, for right. your character and table shit too like there's yeah there's you have the character, character pamphlet which is a handout for your player characters it's much shorter um and 
I also really did enjoy that. I haven't looked at it in quite a while. For me, I got this game a while ago and I deep dived it then. Um, and so I reread it for this, but I forgot to go through like the character keeper pamphlet and stuff. Oh, uh, also an adventure called Aw Geez, the airship's on fire. You get as a free download. Boom, free, another free adventure. You're talking like <laughs> once once the 12th neighborhood drops, that's 13 adventures or adventure locations with it. Is it $10 for the PDF? Is that what we decided? Yes, it is. Yeah. Or again, like it's it's probably in more than one bundle. Um so yeah, value-wise, I think you get a lot. Like with what is there right now, you could play this game for a very fucking long time um and enjoy the hell out of it. That that's yeah. what's interesting about this game is like we've looked at other games before where I'm like, damn, like this thing has the potential to be really good. But the person's been making games for like 10 years, whatever, they're not gonna go over the second edition. It's just like this is the game that you get what this game is so fucking good right now and we know we're going to get a better version of this hopefully sooner than later and to me that's so fucking exciting um yeah value wise what are you thinking seven i think seven yeah absolutely i mean the fact that there isn't a print reduces the value for me um but it's also this isn't gonna get one because that's just not what this was you know what i mean yeah, um, the, but this is a really, really... Was this, uh, is this a first outing for Gym Room? I think that this was... If it wasn't the very first thing they did, I'm pretty sure it was the first thing on their itch, at least. Um, yeah, Dan's what, what an absurd, I could be completely wrong. What an absurdly good, like, first itch <laughs> release. This is, Insane. like... People, people release, like, tons of games to reach this, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, and the thing, too, is that, like, the all of the the fixes to take this from good to fucking amazing are not hard and yeah. with the quality that we've seen from gym room games in subsequent releases um i think it's would be easy for them and i think the hardest thing would be for them to just be happy with it you know what i mean yeah if that makes sense not like i feel like Oh, that's what I'm worried. That's the only thing I'm worried about is this game is so fucking good right now and really only needs like a gentle shove in a direction and then a budget for art and printing. Um, I the only thing I worry is that it's so good. I exactly like you said, I don't want them to get this urge to over engineer it into something different or have to add like so much to it or something like that when it's amazing now just clean it up and it's i would be so fucking happy so technically a primordial version of nine lives was their first but basically yeah this was a first outing that's what dan i love i love nine lives valhalla (laughs) so good so yeah 36 36 which is insane when you think that one of the scores on it is a five um and it's not a print version so uh that's that's really fantastic because realistically if he if he even had like a decent amount of art in it right now and that got like an eight you'd be looking like a 39 you know and for us like anything 40 and up is like crazy good i think the lowest score of our top five was a 40 right on in last year i believe there's like five tied for 40 so like yeah a little bit of art and this would be almost you know in the top five for last year um so yeah, so that's it. High Magic, Low Lives, Gym Room Games. Here's the thing, too, about Gym Room Games is I will be waiting with bated breath for everything they fucking do for the rest of the time that they're making games. I agree. I, I 
I love this game. This game was a this game was a yeah a hunter a hunter choice immediately. Yeah, it's it's fire. It's so fucking good. And again, I just the the way that they write the cleverness that goes into the games, the vibe that they put into the games, which you know I think I don't know them personally, but I can only imagine that when they put it into so many games, this kind of like I don't know joy and like jokiness into their stuff that it's just. Um, I don't know, like Nine Lives of Valhalla is insane and cracks me the fuck up and it's so fucking good. And that's the thing about Gym Room is like that game, we it, we gave a fucking nine or whatever for like mechanics and had one fucking rule, but it was so it good. One rule. Like, you only need to do thing. one thing well. So, but yeah. I just okay. think they're so dialed into modern post-pandemic game design right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think they are the, the, the cutting edge. They're the bleeding edge of post-pandemic. Yeah. Um game design absolutely all right three hours on the dot we're out keep making games gym room games we love you i love you too hunter um my god i i uh i i realized that i have two games the rest of this entire month where i don't play a game have a podcast episode or go to work so busy month ahead we'll see y'all later bye